2: Now, one. Teachers here will be paid for the Department of Education.
3: And looking like a picture yourself and the team. That's just not a the line here. I expect the parents to boycott their children's GAT.
4: We're being hit with energy increases with inflationary increases left, right and centre.
1: Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96, 96. Extra WhatsApp 083
2: 396
1: Email opinion at 96fm.ie. Better
2: this is The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Fox 96
1: FM
5: The t- one thing about this old job, if you do it long enough, is it tends to harden you in a way that's not altogether the best, but it does. You tend to be unshockable, unflappable. You tend to hear terrible things about people and just go, yep. Yeah. Okay, these things happen. One exception to this rule is waking up on a Sunday morning and hearing that an 89-year-old man has died after being attacked by a fellow patient in a hospital in Cork City Centre. The death of Matthew Healy. 89-year-old Matthew Healy from Bering's. One of the most shocking stories I can recall in a very long time. Allegedly attacked by another patient in the early hours of yesterday morning. A um, man in custody, so it's still being questioned in Section 4 of the Criminal Justice Act. Or wh- what happens, or what will happen, will happen there and thereabouts. But the shock of hearing this incident uh, early on a Sunday morning... It's, it's you, 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 you can't get your head around it. Let's catch up with uh, Maureen Tuig from the Corks 96 FM newsroom who's been following this story since it broke. Shocking story, Maureen. Bring us up to speed for people who might not have heard the detail. What happened? Good morning.
6: Good morning, PJ. Absolutely, really shocking. So, Gareth, you were alerted to an incident involving two male patients at the Mercy University Hospital shortly after 5.30am yesterday morning. As you say there, 89-year-old Matthew Healy, a, a retired farmer from bearings was pronounced dead um, at the scene following the incident and it took place on a six-bed general ward. Now, the area where the incident took place, it was cordoned off to allow for a full forensic and, and technical examination by Garda. We also understand that um, a spokesman for the hospital has told the Irish examiner that the six-person ward where it happened was fully occupied at the time of the incident and that a full compliment of staff was on duty at the time. So um, uh, the armed support unit, we understand, also attended and assisted in the arrest of, of a male patient. And the, the two men, they were not believed to be known to each other. And as you said there, PJ, a man in his 30s who was arrested at the scene uh, remains in custody. And, and that's at the Bridewell Garda station. Guard, the investigation is underway since this incident happened. and uh, A post mortem examination was conducted yesterday and that was done at Cork University Hospital by the assistant state. Pathologist Dr Margaret Bolster, and uh, but details of that they're not being released yeah. for operational reasons. Now a senior investigating officer has been appointed, and uh, a guard, the family liaison officer, has also been appointed uh, to support the family at this really uh, tough time for them. And my thoughts go out to them. And only a few weeks ago, um, Mr Healy is predeceased by his wife Delia, and yeah. um, who only passed away at the start of January.
5: Yeah, that it's 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 just a unspeakable tragedy for for the family and there's a photograph that the family released Moirad of doesn't he look just I'm talking to you and me now doesn't he look like such a lovely kind gentle man doesn't he
6: Oh absolutely he does and he's been described as a, as a gentleman by um, Councillor Michael Looney out in bearings, and it's just really really sad for the community and as you said yourself pg waking up on a Sunday morning to hear of such an incident it's it's just tragic and it's really sad and I think everyone feels that you know and as you say when you see a picture like that of, of a lovely man it's just it's so sad and at the Mercy Hospital themselves have released a statement and they said that management and staff are saddened and shocked at the tragic and unexpected death of an elderly patient and they expressed their deepest condolences to Mr Healy's family and relatives and friends
5: Okay, now We'll see where the investigation goes over the next number of hours. Generally speaking a decision would need to be made on Section 4 of the Criminal Justice Act by this evening, allowing for rest and, and, and that kind of thing. So by this evening, there have to be some sort of decision made with regard to the individual being questioned at the Bridewell under Section 4 of the Criminal Justice Act. But that aside, thank you, Maureen. That aside, uh, you mentioned Councillor Michael Looney of McCroom. Uh, Michael, good morning. You knew... Good morning, Peter. You, you, you knew this man well.
7: Yes, I knew him very well. I knew him for the past 40 years. Um, A retired farmer now, but he was, as you said in your previous, that he was one of the kindest, lovable, kind-hearted men that you could ever really come across. And I think the people of Bearings are dumbfounded, dismayed, just can't get around his untimely death. Because he was one of the old old stock, and, and he was really, 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 you'd have to know him really. To, to, to appreciate, as you said, a gentle the, the photograph actually reflected everything he used. I, was
5: I was thinking that I was. My wife drew my attention to the photograph actually yesterday afternoon, Michael, when it was released, and she said, "Look at his eyes."
7: Yeah, yeah, Look yeah, that's exactly. Yeah, yeah, he was, and like he was, him. Um, he lost his wife there less than three weeks ago. Mm. Yeah, But, like, he was well rooted in bearings. He could be the third or fourth generation there. And he was a, a regular morning mascot, mm-hmm. himself and Delia. And I would go down to Den Callens for the paper and have a chat, and he'd go home. Having said that, they were a very private family as well. Yes. You yes. know, very, when I say private, really private, but highly respected. And, yes. like, whatever would it happened it's hard to come around it when you go into hospital you think you're safe you'd never think that you'll come out deceased after being attacked in your bed it's, yeah. it's hard to, to, to get around it yeah. I'm at liberty to say too much about that because right. uh, as you know there's an ongoing no, none, of it, none of us are
5: yeah. Michael to yeah. be fair but what what, what but, we but believe happened is horrifying anyway
7: the in, the in story is the man is deceased whatever happened yeah yeah,
5: yeah. yeah. and just an, an untimely
7: death because as I said like he was one of the the old greats yeah
5: yeah. Tell me course, tell me about him. He'd retired quite a number of years, had he?
7: He's retired, I suppose, really. He's retired 14, 15, 16 years. And he was farming, and he had a... a he was a gentleman. He had a lovely um, potato run Saturday mornings, and he really enjoyed that. He'd go from house to house with his potatoes, and he'd work for everyone. And, like, he was spot on in time. If he was Like, he was rigid to, to, to his duty, really. But, um, you know, he was... A, a real gent, simple as, and it's hard to come to terms really with it. Like I, 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 I'm here in Berings for forty years, and I think he was the first man to welcome me to Berings, and I never forget it for him because I was a stranger coming there. But like, he was the same gentleman the first day I met him as until the day he deceased. Well,
5: well. So, so you, 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 knew, you knew him well, you'd consider him a friend, I suppose? Oh, God, yeah,
7: yeah, 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 right, yeah,
5: well, yeah. Well, well, I'm sorry for, for your own personal loss, Michael, and indeed to the loss of the entire Bering's community, but particularly to the Healy family.
7: Yeah, I'd wish to confirm my condolences to the family and myself and on behalf of the people of Bering's as well. All
5: right. Michael, thank you. Thank you for that. That's Councillor Michael Looney, a Fianna Fáil Councillor from McCroom, uh, Bering's area, uh, who knew... He knew Mr Healy very well. He'd known him for over over 40 years. Uh, it, it, you just get you can't get your head around it. Uh, there, Matthew Healy, 89 years of age, widowed only about three weeks ago. His wife Delia passed away, and then he himself uh, died following an alleged incident yesterday morning early hours of the morning at the Mercy Hospital. Investigation ongoing, so we can't say a whole lot about it except that there is a man in custody, another patient is in custody at the Bridewell under Section 4 of the Criminal Justice Act and we would expect a decision has to be made there by the end of the day. We have a, Will I do that? I'll do it after the break. Casey and Ross in the morning Weekdays,
2: 6 to
1: 9am 96
2: FM. This guy was amazing. This guy from Croatia and he was, he's actually one of the best salesmen I've ever spoken to my entire life. And was it because he was so nice? Nice, informative. Do you know that I'm a pretty nifty salesperson as well? Go on.
5: I'm really, really good you at selling. You want the old Jordan Belfort now on me? Okay. Send me this pen. Here's a pen, yeah. alright? How much would you give me for that pen? Uh, 50 cent. Sold. There you go. Thank you very much. Wow. Casey and Ross in the
2: morning. You
1: can now order your 231 electric Skoda Enyaq from No DC Cars. Skoda sales dealer of the year, exclusively Skoda in the city. 96FM Join the conversation Email Opinion at 96FM.ie
2: This is the Opinion line with PJ Coogan
6: Corks 96FM
1: Quick
2: WhatsApp voice
5: note from uh, Trina, traffic update.
6: Hey guys, there's a truck broken down on the link road heading towards uh, town. Um, Traffic is backed up. It looks like there's um, waiting, but it's actually broken down. The guy's out fixing it there now at the moment. Um, So just for people to be aware when they come up in it, they think there's queuing, but there's not. The truck is actually broken down. Thanks, have a good day.
5: Cheers, Trina. Thank you. And of course, you can join any of our conversations during the morning by giving us a WhatsApp voice message at 083 396 96 96, 96 or like Trina did, let us know what's happening on the roads. Staying with roads, Barry, uh, this happened to you when? Morning.
8: Hey, morning, PJ. Um, yeah, it happened on Friday afternoon in quite heavy traffic heading towards the tunnel. Okay, you were heading um, from tunnel, the land though. side. Yeah, I was going from Mahan side through through the tunnel at about a uh, quarter past twenty past three. Okay, and what happened? Um, look, basically, as I was heading up towards the tunnel, probably a good half kilometer up towards the um, towards Mahan, um, there was a guy tailgating me, something serious, um, right on my tail. All the way managed to slow down, so he eased off a bit. And then, as we got to the the, the tailbacks forming up behind the tunnel, um, I'd slowed down almost to a stop. There was a blue car in front of me, and this guy in his in his black BMW just shunted me from the from the rear. Whoa! So it was an awful bang. Was it a, Was it a hard impact? Oh yeah, for sure. I, I just nearly missed going into the um, the back of the car in in front of me. So I, I'd almost come to a stop, and you know, just had a guess. He was probably doing, you know, maybe sixty k's, sixty k's an hour or so. Was oh, a right
5: smash, um, and much damage. Yeah. Are you are you okay? Or is much damage to the car? I
8: uh, look, um, I'm I'm sore. Um, I'm not. I'm I'm moving. Um, but it's, it, it was really the shock, you know, just um, I was in shock immediately after that. I, I kind of saw it in slow motion happening behind me because this guy had been riding me for so long. I'd, I'd, But I had no choice but to come to a stop. Sure, sure, and sure. I checked my rear view mirror as I would when I'm coming to a stop. And I just knew it was going to happen. It was like slow motion. So what happened then, Barry? So I sort of after kind of shook off that initial shock, I, I got out of my car and um, I said to the guy, you know what? What the hell are you doing? Because you were just going way too fast, and he said, "Ah, oh, sorry, sorry. Oh, give me your give me your mobile number. We'll I'll, I'll, we'll sort this out. We'll sort this out." And I said, "No, we need to wait for the guards to sort this out." Mm-hmm. And uh, that's when he uh, he kind of picked up the his number plate was the front of his car was pretty badly smashed um, through the number plate in his car, and he said, no, "I need to I need to get my car off to the side of the road." And we were on the the overtaking lane. Mm-hmm. Him on the right hand side and he pushed his car right over to the left just underneath the flyover bridge there by a man um and he, he got someone to to help him push his car off to the left and i was like no you need to leave your car where it is mm-hmm. um for the guards and he he basically just carried on he pulled over to the left and by the time i'd kind of realized i need to start documenting this i found my phone which was lying on the floor of my could obviously been thrown off um and I picked up, started taking photos, and that's when he just uh, pushed off towards the tunnel. Just drove off. Just drove off. Yeah, just yeah. drove off. You, you didn't. You didn't Absolute get coward. his number. You didn't get his reg. No, PJ. It was. It was raining. It was heavy traffic, and he was on the other side of the road. There's a lot of cars between us, and that. And the is as his front number plate was taken off. I couldn't even. I, all I could kind of tell you was um, like a zero five to zero seven or so reg, possibly a yeah. zero eight. Okay. I was an older three series black BMW. Okay,
5: and this was like you say mid afternoon. Was the road was the road reasonably
8: busy? You said there was a line. of Yeah, traffic. it was. Yeah. So there it was. a lot no, of there was,
5: Did anybody stop to assist or
8: anything? No. No, some uh, some people kind of shouted at the windows, "You need help in that." And I was kind of really shaken. I didn't know <laughs> what to do. Yeah. So I thought, well, do I leave my car where it is? Um, and, and cause huge inconvenience to everyone behind me because it was really starting to back up, you know, Friday afternoons like an M40 anyway. Yeah. And um, I thought, well, let me let me pull across the, the hard shoulder as well. But um, that was only after he had already driven off. Right,
5: okay, okay. So, so you, the, the guides came anyway, did they?
8: Yeah, look, I, I, phoned, I phoned the guards, and probably about 45 minutes later they turned up, which was um, – Quite disappointing. I know they're busy, but um, I thought that was disappointing. Maybe if I had left my car, sort of backing the traffic up all the way back to you know, yeah, Wilton or something like that, it would they would have got there sooner. But um, uh, you know, anyway, by that time the guy was long gone. Yeah.
5: yeah. So, so what you're looking for is did anybody see him? Anybody grab his number? Because I think he, did yeah. you ask the guides about CCTV?
8: Yeah, the guards said they went to the tunnel management um, centre after that to to check on CCTV, and the supposedly the CCTV in the tunnels uh, turned off or it's it's out of order at the moment because the road works. Um, I know that there's a lot of cameras um, heading up towards the tunnel on the on the gantries and so on that um, would have certainly would have seen that car and my car yeah. um, uh, on the on the run up towards Man. It's hard to credit um, Barry that but all
5: I, of the cameras could be out.
8: Yeah, no, I don't, I don't, I don't get it, PJ. I think, um, I think there, there are some cameras that are working. It's just question: who has this? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and and uh, I contacted TII yesterday and their control centre, and they said they can only release information to the guards. So it really requires some motivation from the guards to to do it. And I don't think because I wasn't killed or Badly injured. That um, it's a major priority well, for them. If
5: you, if really. Perhaps if you follow it up again with them and say, "Look, would you ever go to TII?" They say they may. They say they can't release anything to me, but they'll release it to you. Then you could ask yeah. them to do it, I suppose.
8: Yeah, look, I've had to chase the guard that, that was on the scene a bit for my incident number for, my ins- for insurance and so on. Um, so, so I'm kind of hoping that and if I can't get that, that somebody has some dash cam footage okay. um, or might have had the wherewithal to take down a, a registration, picture okay. of his registration okay. or something like that for me. Because if I can get him, if I can just get that information to the guards, they might be more motivated to do something because sure. effectively – my mind, he's committed a crime by leaving the scene of an accident. Oh, he has. He's, oh, he's he's he has. Responsible he for has him, indeed. Uh, aside is, from that, peter That is
5: a serious offense under the Road Traffic Act. Yes.
8: Yeah. And no, to, to make an assumption now um, that he probably didn't have insurance. Who knows? Who knows? We don't, we don't, we don't know. Anything, probably best you know? not
5: to speculate, Barry, in case we do find him. Um, okay. So you're looking at what? Give me the
8: time again. Um, it was about three twenty, three twenty-three that he drove off around about that time. I got a photograph. So Friday
5: afternoon, of, about, about three, between three and three thirty, Friday afternoon, heading yeah. towards the tunnel uh, from Mahan, a crash between yeah. a, bla- a black BMW and what? What's your car look like, Barry? What? what it's, is a, it? it's a red Hyundai Forty One Six One. bridge. R- red Hyundai and a black BMW in collision. If he came three across series, it yeah. or drove past it, uh, in that in that time. Uh, maybe you could assist if by any chance you happen to have a dash cam or anything like that yeah. you may be able to, to assist and we can put if if someone has Barry and if they have any footage that they can help you with uh, we'll certainly pass it on to you and you would never know I appreciate never, that someone that. could be listening I know on your Facebook there were some people thought they saw the BMW heading down towards East Cork that didn't come to anything did it?
8: No, I think that might have been another BMW. It sounds like it was a UK Reg uh, BMW Estate, um, mm. and and not necessarily the car. And I think that had been in, involved in a in an accident somewhere near Castle Marta. So, okay, I'm not sure that that's a, that's the, the right one. But okay, so a black BMW three series, okay. <laughs> black
5: BMW three series would have had a would have had a fairly bashed up front because the number plate was gone off it.
8: Yeah, and, and the, the damage to my car was was quite severe and the, the bumpers are right off and there's bodywork underneath the bumper that's actually pushed into my spare wheel well. So it's, it, that's, that's how hard it was. That's a mess. That's a mess. All right, Barry, I hope that comes good
5: for you. If anybody was down on the road towards the tunnel from Mahan, 3 to 3.30 Friday, if you came across a crash between a black BMW and a red Hyundai. If you saw it happen or came across it or had any dash cam from the area, this is Barry, who owns the Hyundai. He's the victim here. And the guy driving the black BMW pulled it over onto the hard shoulder and then drove off before giving Barry any information. So if you can help, you know where we are, and we can pass you information on to Barry. caller says, would you ever tell people to turn on their lights, for goodness sake? Yes, I mean, look out at that now. You can't see across the city. There's a bad fog this morning, bad thick mist fog down over the city. Put on your fog lights if you have them. Most modern cars now have these DLRs on them, which are lights that are on all the time, or DRLs, daytime running lights, they're on all the time. But if you have an older car, that don't put your lights on this morning, try to try to be seen. If you can't be seen, you're, you're a danger to those around you. PJ, I'm in the city a lot, and almost daily I see big four by fours crashing through red lights. They're not even amber gamblers. They literally tear through the lights when they're red, and more and more people are going to be killed. I fear for cyclists and pedestrians. And then this came in from David this morning. Imagine being stuck like this be late for work. I was 15 minutes late for work this morning, says David, because a tractor with a big agri-machine attached to it drove all the way in the straight road from Ballancolic at about 30 kilometres an hour with a stream of traffic behind it. Is there not a law against that? If not, there should be. There should not be any slow vehicles on the road when people are trying to get to work, says David. The only thing I'd say to that, David, maybe that poor chap was trying to get to work as well. He has to go to work. He may need to be someone for somewhere for 8 o'clock or half past eight or 9 o'clock, just like like you needed to be. But I do sympathise. I feel your pain. I have been that soldier sitting behind a large yoke that was moving at about one mile an hour. It's a pain in the neck. Just on hospital security, and we're going to be very careful with the kind of things that we say. We can't really throw the tragic story from the mercy. We, We cannot really throw that open to the floor. And I'm sure you'll understand because it... Do you know, it's it's an ongoing gather investigation and what happens will happen uh, but people are observing, you know I hope COH will up their security in A&E now as every person who comes there can walk up to the wards with no questions ask, the doors are always open so the public can access the vending machines move the vending machines would you, for goodness sake well this was in the mercy but I, I do take that point and having been in CUHED, what's well, a year or two ago now? Uh, th- yes, you do have to come out into the general concourse of the hospital to get at the vending machines, or at least you did then. I'm assuming you still do. Kate said, I had an experience in the CUH emergency department where a man was wandering in and out, causing a disturbance with his eyes all over the place. No one took him or kept him away. From any other patients, which must be fairly frightening. Definitely must be fairly frightening for anybody caught up in that. Certainly, though, worry about security now after what happened at the weekend. Des- people will definitely worry about hospital security. Now, even at five in the morning or four in the morning, you, people will worry about, about hospital security.
1: The Cork Diary.
2: On courts, 96 FM.
1: Cork Diary is a free service. So if you're a community group, a not-for-profit organization, or you have a fundraising event you would like mentioned, let us know and we'll tell Cork all about it. Email the details to Diary at 96fm.ie. The Cork Diary. With corksimon.ie. Because everyone who calls Cork home should have one.
2: Cork's 96fm. Shine <laughs> the
1: conversation. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96, 96
2: this is The Opinion Live with PJ Coogan. 96 FM.
5: Staying with traffic and that warning that came in on the phone there a little while about, you know, people breaking red lights and someone going to be knocked down and hurt or worse. Uh, Councillor Ted Tynan, good morning. You've come across an actual incident of this.
4: Yes, PJ. Um, uh, a, a person living in near the Credit Union in Mayfield. And he was crossing the uh, so-called Northern Ring Road at the pedestrian crossing outside the Credit Union to get to the other side. And the, the green light came up on the, on the on the pole opposite to cross over, which he uh, started to do. And then at that point, there was a car drove right onto the pedestrian crossing, jammed on the brakes, and he... Um, he then uh, went behind the car to continue crossing the, the pedestrian crossing at this stage was totally covered by the car then the driver of the car decides to reverse back and he was passing behind the car the car knocked him next thing he was lying on the ground uh looking at the rear wheel of the car I, I, it was a scary experience for him mm-hmm. and he got himself up and continued to continue his journey across the road at that stage there was a bit of build up of traffic and uh, the driver of the car then was all apologies and all that and um he he they were all concerned then was he going to call the guardi and he'd he said left the driver on 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 their way to uh, continue their journey but a scary moment mm. and I've also been talking lately and it's it, it seems to be something that's after developing over the last couple of years, two or three years, maybe, where people are just coming up the pedestrian crossings. And I've witnessed these now myself at the crossing by the Frank O'Connor Library in Mayfield. I've seen cars and vans sail through, and yet the rate is against them, you know. And I've seen it on the Northing Road by Tinker's Cross, again by the Credit Union. And down by the Garda station as well, there's traffic booty trying to get through the lights and I I I dunno, and it's a minority of drivers. And most drivers of course are, are fine, but mm. there's a minority of drivers. They they seem to be somewhere else, you know. They don't seem to be um focused on, on, on their driving and I know a lot of people would have um issues on their mind they'll be rushing to the school to pick up children or to drop off children or whatever they may be that few minutes late caught in traffic but like knock somebody down on on, on, on the road then yeah. that will have a, a terrible impact on both the driver and the victim of course you know okay. So You're concerned but, in, um, in particular as you said
5: about the area around the Cope Foundation
4: Around the co-foundation, yeah. That's where most of the complaints have come in to me. People their own experience in waiting at the, the lights. People are now learning to be uh, more alert, and they look at the driver of the car, making sure that they're going to stop. If they feel that it's safe to do so, they cross over. But then you have lost a number of seconds then waiting for the light. In some cases, you, you could find just on the other side with the lights changing back to... Um, to yeah. move ahead, you know. So
5: yeah. it's it, We're struggling a bit with that line, Ted. We're struggling a bit. A city
4: council,
5: an now we're struggling a little bit with Ted's line, see if we can't get him back on the phone uh, to maybe talk a bit more about that. And while you're doing that, I'll go to Ed on line two, lads, just to take take a retired uh, member of the fire brigade, and you working the ro you think the roads are, are more dangerous now, Ed, than they've been for a long time, you think? Morning. I think so, yes, very much so.
9: Listening to your previous speaker there, and indeed, uh, the on Friday's programme, there was people um, describing those people who enforced the roads of the road as, uh, well, they wouldn't be able to repeat what they said, yes. but see, what they don't realise is um, by reducing speed and by monitoring the speed limits of different people, you're more than likely saving lives
5: yeah. well, this, this was line. an email I got this was an email I got and read out yes. on Friday about that's right. people being that's fined right. for being two or three miles yes. per hour over
9: well yeah. in some respects I suppose that can be a bit frustrating if you're that but at the same time the overall picture is to adhere to the speed limits now it was described there this morning by the gentleman whose car was rear-ended that is common practice particularly heading into the tunnel and even coming from the other side and I've had occasion in the past to travel down to Middleton quite often, and going heading towards the tunnel, you see quite clearly in the distance that the speed limit will be reduced to 60 kilometres. And there's as fellas passing you there as if you were stopped. Yes. Eventually, coming from the other side, then from the Middleton side, we say from Carrick up warned well in advance you that are. the speed limits are going to be restricted and yet nobody the appears, very very few in fact adhere to that speed limit. I was only now, in the, that
5: area I, Ed the weekend, I was driving down yeah. towards East Cork Saturday and driving back up Sunday and I observed all of the various different speed restrictions it's there purely for people's safety do you see Absolutely. What, what, what I think a lot of people don't Either know or care, and the, the the next bit is the worst, or the second bit is the worst. If you see sixty at the side of the road there, where there's building work or yes, development yes. work, people often wonder: is that an actual legal speed limit, or is it just a recommendation?
9: Not that it should matter. No, it shouldn't. Indeed, it shouldn't, and it is a regulated matter. To be honest, and if if you if you look at uh, over the years, there we've been. In the fire service, we've been involved in a lot of road safety uh, programs. Yes. You, you attended a few yourself, PJ, if I recall. We did it yes. we did it for the extra road show, uh, for the road safety, to right. educate people on road safety. Because it's all very fine just to go out there carelessly driving your car. No, as the previous speaker said, it can only be the minority. But a lot of the time, when you see those people after their speeding and whatever, careless driving and everything else and you end up in a ro- research unit in the hospital and you see the families coming up afterwards to identify the, the victims and everything else right. you know, right. this is the other side of it and people don't think of it that way and hmm. you know, I would be passionate about uh, because road safety because it's, it's as much of the, the workload and the fire service now as fires
5: well, you in, know? Your, in your time Ed, you will have seen it all because you, you're the guys that have to cut the care
9: Absolutely Absolutely. And it's very traumatic. And you see young people, teenagers or whatever the case it is, and being cut out of these cars, either fatally or with life-changing conditions for the rest of their lives. Paralysis or whatever the case it is. And then you meet those, the parents, you know, the family members of those people. It's horrendous. And we meet those even still every year at masses um, for the, the road victims. Mm-hmm. There's the annual mass every year. And we still see some of those people, and I got to know them over the years. And it's horrendous to think that when you see how much they're still suffering because of speed and the whole lot that mm-hmm. contributes to, to dismiss their families. Yes. You know, and I think I have no sympathy for... It, I was very welcome when they started to sort out the around the roundabout that they put in their speed runs mm-hmm. and they were talking over the years, they were increasing the road of speed runs. And they should... Because at the end of the day, it can say, if it saves one life, it's worth it. That's the bottom line.
5: you know. Yeah. yeah. That, that email that I got last week was from someone, I think, who probably picked up a fine and a few points for being, we'll say, for Agman's sake, 66 in a 60. Yes. Now, yes. They, they felt that was a bit rough.
9: Yes, I suppose you can see that to a point. But at the same time, he's alive today to know that. There are people, even your previous speaker there, talks about pedestrians. And the amount of pedestrians have been killed this year has gone through the roof. Well, well I, the
5: I, I read a statistic, actually, Ed, only recently, that if you strike a pedestrian at 20 kilometres an hour... Yes, yes. They have five times the chance of surviving Correct. that if Correct. you hit them at 40 kilometres an hour.
9: That's right, because you have this kinetic energy when you hit, the, the speed yeah. doubles... Right. you know and, and it's it's so it's so easy it's so easy to kill somebody you know at speed at, at, at small speed yeah. it's I very love- very easy and children and we've seen children over the years and just ask any member of the emergency services in a hospital a guardian fire brigade you know, as well you see people like that who are fatally injured or whatever and how easy it happens mm. and they don't, sometimes they don't have to be 100 miles an hour down the road do you know what I mean They can happen so easily.
5: Well, 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 they they do say also. uh, If you disagree with me here, I don't understand because you know more than I. They do say that most accidents happen at reasonably, reasonably close to home on roads we are familiar
9: with, where we take chances. we get very complacent. That's very true we get complacent, and that's quite true. But at the same time, I think if you're travelling on the road, you're you're more mindful of the other driver than you are of yourself, if if you can understand that, because there are some people there that pass you out, and God, it's horrendous when you see what they do, you know? Yeah. Now, there's none of us perfect, I wouldn't be saying that I'm perfect, but I would always try, if, if, if my job taught me one thing, is <laughs> to stay within the speed limit, yes. Yes. you know, and to be mindful of people that are around you. The, the, you know, other, the, the
5: really oldest piece of advice I ever got Ed, when I was learning to drive, was it's a speed limit, not a target.
9: Absolutely, absolutely. And you have people there, they're pushing the limit to the last. And they're going over, as I said, and we hear about fellas being caught driving 140, 150 kilometres and all and the years. No That's bad. But we have to think about the people who are exceeding the 60 mile, mm-hmm. the 60 kilometre speed limit, because they can do as much damage as well. Yes. And even they're running up and that, that meant that was on earlier on the rear-ended. I mean that's it. that's a typical example of bullying on the road if you like. Yeah. yeah. Do you understand? You have to stay within the limits. And that the limit that's the law of the land, that's the way it is. Just Again, not- my, my, my thinking is that Garley, the speed lens, the whole they save lives. Yeah. All by
5: right. doing that. And and you said you you would be and this was kind of a response to the the piece I read out on Friday. <laughs> you've no you've no you've no sympathy for someone who's done by a speed van, have you?
9: Well, to a small extent, you know, we can all make mistakes, but you know, if you're going along the road and if you are sixty kilometers, so you should reduce your speed to sixty kilometers. And that's the bottom line. Okay. All right. You know? I mean the overall picture if you see a van there or a guard the checkpoint, they're enforcing the law. And they're not doing it for the sake of it. And as that man said, uh, the, the email said, they're making more revenue and everything else. That is not the case. Yeah. That is not the case. Drive around that, don't get around road. Even since so it's, it's, it's all after we re- revamped, it's fine, everything is fine. Speed is a major contributory factor to road accidents.
5: As I said, now, I was on it on Saturday afternoon and I was headed down to East Cork and I hadn't. Been, I hadn't taken that route through the Dun Kettle in quite some time, and yes. I had barely crawled along trying to get my bearings. That's right.
9: That's right. Yes, you know? yes. Yes. yes, a-
5: yes. And anybody, anybody taking a chance at the moment when it's being built, and being and you know it's all changing. So
9: there's only a fool would would take a chance on Absolutely. down down there at the moment. Absolutely. And the fool that does that could be re- could result could be the cause of your accident or injury, or whatever the case it is. That's
5: the way I look at it. We'll leave it it there. Ed, thank you very much. Go back if we can to Ted Tyne. And Ted, you said you wanted to raise this problem that you were highlighting at the council. Uh, Have you had much success? Hello again.
4: I have done that several times. Yeah. Yeah, I've done that several times, PJ. Um, And there's no black spots as far as I'm concerned. It's around the the bus station, Pannet Place, Brian Brew Bridge, Brian Brew Street, and the end of Summerhill. Then you go up the Ballyholy Road and the speeding traffic is unreal, uh, PJ. And you you quoted statistics there. It's the result of um, a, a, a survey done throughout the UK a few years ago by the Royal Society for Prevention of Accidents. And it's from City Council. I got that results of that survey. Hit by a car at 60 kilometres, 9 out of 10 pedestrians will be killed hit at fifty kilometers five out of ten pedestrians will be killed and hit at thirty kilometers one out of the ten pedestrians will be killed. And there's serious statistics, um, PJ, and people need to take note of speed and your previous driver was excellent in that. And by the way, in the last few weeks the um the Road Safety Authority uh went public on TV and radios they highlighting speed is the killer mm-hmm. and speed is the the cause of the most accidents out of car well, We got know? the
5: statistics yeah. for 2022 Ted, of the number of fatal accidents for yeah. Cork and it said like, speed was a factor in well over half of them well over half of them speed was, was, right. was a factor yeah. in it yeah. Do you know what, In terms and, of the council and the, the roads it's a talking point here week in, week out now. Scooters. Yeah. And scooters not, <laughs> not obeying coming, the rules yeah. of the road, Ted. they uh, that's not, uh, not supposed of a, to be on the road. Anyway.
4: When I see one of them coming, I like, and they're swear. swerving, uh, coming up behind pedestrian. Yeah. yeah. I, I've i seen a guy now, one of those scooters come off, um, I think it's Camden Quay, um, by the uh, Partix Bridge, St. Patrick's Bridge and a big wide sw- um, sweeping turn around and onto the bridge itself and then heading down towards Patrick's Street like the guy was totally oblivious of the huge danger that um, that he or she put put themselves in you know it's it's, it's crazy and it's almost I, I've raised this several times, and I like I call on the City Council you now, PJ, and the Gardaí to cooperate. In fairness now, the, the Gardaí and Mayfield lately are beginning to sh- have a presence at um, certain junctions in the area, and close to schools, but they, they need to step up their presence, and as you know yourself, a Gardaí in uniform works wonders, it slows people down, you know, and the 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 flashing blue light on the squad car it slows people it brings that's,
5: them to that's better, that's better than any Aeroctus. braking system <laughs> it uh, Ted just now. staying with the scooters yeah. for a second and I don't know where the council I mean we know that there is law going through the Oireachtas at the moment and however long it yeah. takes it will take yeah. there's, there's law going through but they are not supposed to be on the open road at the moment does the council have any powers in that regard to talk to the guards and say would you not seize a few of them or stop yeah, these? No. Like, I, and I know, I know the, the well. It's probably not the same guy, but someone of whom you speak that takes this big sweeping turn coming down past the old north infirmary, big sweeping turn down onto Christie Ring Bridge, couldn't give a Tupney yeah. curse who's coming up against him. And I've seen, I've seen those scooters with children on them. His light is gone. Yeah, we've done anyway. Thank you, Ted. Um I've seen that. I, I I thought I only ever would see this in other countries, shall we say. But I saw it only about a week and a half ago. Um on the Douglas Road, uh at maybe three o'clock in the afternoon or half two in the afternoon. There's a a a, a scooter coming against the run of traffic. That's Bad enough in itself. With a child. So it's a man and he's got a child with him. On the back of the flipping scooter, clinging on to his legs. Like I know they're regulating for them and they're making up law to get them on the but like that's just insane. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six just on Barry's situation, and you really do hope that he finds out who was driving that BMW. The guards never have an interest if someone drives off. Over two years ago, a pallet came off a trailer and hit my car. I was pregnant. My car was brand new. had a terrible fright and it cost me over a €1,000 to fix it. The guards kept fobbing me off and I had to keep following it up. It's terrible, really. I was lucky the damage wasn't as bad as that guy on the radio's damage was. The, The handiness, as it were, of a dash cam... Can't be overstressed uh, these days. In a lesson I learned at sea, says Ian and Leem Lara slow speed, small change. And Eddie says, PJ, something I've noticed in the last two years, it seems to have got worse. Is cars coming against you, driving right on the white line? Do they think the white line is there as a guide? <sighs> Eddie, you're, I, I think it's always been there. People who hog the white line, you're supposed to drive to the left people who hog, but where it becomes a problem is if you've people parked in the actual lane, and there's nothing worse, I had a near one, it wasn't a near one because I spotted it coming, on the do- the back Douglas Road yesterday afternoon, and I was coming towards, there was a, there was a truck parked, perfectly legitimately on, on the left hand side the man was delivering something, I didn't I, and I was moving to just move my, my way around him there was a car parked about 40 yards on the other side and this guy took a huge sweep if I wasn't watching watching what I was doing he'd have careered into the front of me on, on the South Douglas Road bad parking bad overtaking too much speed it's all out there it's all out there 0818 96 96,
2: 96. The lines Are Live
1: Join kind the of conversation. Call 0818 96, 96, 96. Text or WhatsApp
2: 083 96
1: 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie.
2: This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Hawks 96
5: FM. Kate says the Carry Down had an article recently about councillors looking for an increase in the speed limit coming out of Crosshaven. I just don't understand it. The area is getting more built up than ever now and surely all the families there need safety. Never alone the fact, Kate, that that road into and out of Crosshaven is way too narrow for a higher speed limit, I would have thought. It's very narrow and in the summertime, it's very, very busy. I saw that article you're talking about and I was thinking, sorry, why would you want to increase the speed limit? I saw two cars parked on a signalised pedestrian crossing outside a national school, says Des. Ah yeah, it doesn't surprise me at all, Des. Doesn't surprise me one little bit. 0818 96, 96, 96. The number the text to WhatsApp is 083 396 96 96. and the email opinion at 96fm.ie I watched the group chat podcast on Virgin Music. Good show, actually. They put it out as a podcast every week but they also broadcast it on the telly. It's Richard Chambers and Gavin Reilly and Zara King host it and it's literally a group chat with a guest of the day and and, and last week's guest was um, Cork TD Holly Cairns and she she told a a horrific story about being stalked and to the point where she was terrified she couldn't open a, a constituency office or anything like that and then It was a broader conversation than that about being a woman in politics and the things that she's subjected to uh, being a woman in politics. And then she and Nessa Harrigan, who you have often heard on this program um, to do with Onakora, they both turned up on the the Late Late Show on Friday night discussing similar issues. Holly joins me now. Um, I, I, I take it that all this has stopped now, Holly. I hope it has. Good morning.
10: Good morning, PJ. Um, Yeah, that incident with um, an individual turning up my home on a few occasions was some time ago now, so um, that has stopped. I suppose the the thing about it for me was that once that had happened, any message that I got um, into the work phone or into our social media, it became that that, (laughs) in my mind, I felt like, oh, that's actually somebody who could turn up on my home now. Whereas previously, I would have brushed off those kind of messages you get online, if that makes sense.
5: Yes. So even though it has stopped, you still retain a certain amount of trauma in that something that that does pop into, like you say, your work phone, you think, oh God, is this the start of something else?
10: To a certain extent, yeah, you do. But um, maybe it's also good to be a bit mindful of that. And, you know, I had a kind of a, a roller coaster into politics. It was, you know, in a very short space of time, we had the local elections, um, and I got in by one vote. And then it was, I think, seven months later, the general election. So perhaps I was underprepared and I hadn't really thought about maybe safety concerns or anything like that. Mm. And perhaps other people would in that situation. Maybe I was a bit naive. You know yourself in West Cork. Like, I didn't have a lock for the door, didn't have any blinds or a bit like that. So yeah. um, perhaps I should have um, known better. But when people had previously warned me about abuse going into politics, I thought that they meant... You know, and perhaps they did, but people challenging your political beliefs. And it's important to mention as well that I think that's crucial. Yes. The way we have access to our politicians Ireland is something we need to preserve because it's so great that we have that. You kind of, you know, in touch with your local communities, you're not removed. And that's something that's quite unique to Ireland. And I think that's why this issue needs to be addressed, because I think we'll see a move away from that more and more if there's increased kind of... Um, extreme views levelled at public representatives. And mm. that doesn't just go for kind of TVs and perhaps county and city councillors, but it also is an issue for people in the media in general, be it in journalism or any kind of a public figure like that. And yeah. um, So it does; it is something that needs to be addressed.
5: I, I recall your arrival into politics at the local elections in 2019 and you, you kept us camped. At a couch centre for nearly a week, be, being the last councillor in the entire country, and then I remember the general election, and someone said to us very early in the morning of the count for Cork South West, "You need to watch Holly." Very early on oh, the wow. morning of the count, someone said, "You need to watch Holly," and sure, you, you you got yourself elected, and the rest the rest is history. Had you known then what you know now, would you have still gotten into politics at national level, Holly?
10: Like I wouldn't change uh, what I've done. I feel like it's the biggest honour ever to represent Cork Southwest. I absolutely love my job. I wouldn't change it. But I don't think it's kind of a good approach to say, had I known that I get the the kind of letters I get in the post, the kind of questions I get into my Instagram Q&As, somebody turning up from my home, would I have done it? It's not like a good message to send out, you know, if somebody had told me all of the things, perhaps I wouldn't. And I think it's better to say this is a situation that needs to be addressed, because I think, PJ, and you talk about that, my launch into politics, like in all of Cork, there's 18 TDs for Cork, yeah. I think is 16 or 18. And there's one woman. That's me. So like we desperately need more Manon, as we, we have more Manon campaign. We need more women in politics. And The problem with speaking about this is like, for one, I don't want to deter people from politics. But after somebody threw a bag of faeces at Ann Rabbit, everybody was telling stories anonymously anyway. So it's like it's out there how public representatives are are treated. That deterrent is out there. But it's kind of um, that the problem is also the solution. So I really think that us kind of putting it out there without looking for solutions will deter people from going into politics. If we put it out there because it's essential to do that, to find solutions, I hope would attract more women in. Because I do think there's... There's abuse leveled at men and women in politics. It's definitely a problem for both genders. It's a very different kind of abuse often that's leveled at women. Mm -hmm. And I think the solution to having less of that is to actually have more women in politics. Like it's still some bit of a novelty when you consider there's one female TD in the biggest county in the country. Whereas if there was 50% women, I don't think we'd see the same kind of discourse leveled directly at the few female TDs that are there. So, you know, it's a tricky kind of... um, thing to address because I don't want to put people off. And if any of your listeners, I think you're going into politics, I do want to emphasize that that's not all the job is about. You know, sure. it's incredibly rewarding. And I do think that that greater kind of diversity in decision making just allows for better decision making. And mm. um, So we desperately need that. And We need more um, disabled people, people with disabilities. We need more people of color. We need everything in politics. And I hope that this doesn't deter people because I suppose the point of me saying what's going on is that I'm saying we are going to do something about this to try and make it better. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I'm wary of that.
5: I, I was shocked cool. to see that both yourself and Nessa Harrigan, who, as I said, had been a, a guest on this show many times to do with Owen Okora, I was, I was shocked at the extent of what you both gone through. And then on the the podcast with, with the Lads for Virgin, like how widespread it is at sort of low level and the level that, that you suffered, there's a lot of it going on. It's, a, it's it's a tough, it's a tough gig being a female politician.
10: It is, and I think we need to establish like where is it coming from and what are the different types yes. of abuse in yes. order to try and address it because somebody essentially throwing a bag of shit at a minister or, you know, a milkshake at the Tornish at the time, whatever, I think it's a different kind of um, abuse to stalking or sexualized things in the post. So we have to take a different approach to address both of those two things. And I think violence against women in the sense of stalking things like that is a whole broader conversation that perhaps we can have now. And then there's also the conversation that we need to have around that kind of other type of violence that's being leveled at public representatives. And like, is that a kind of discourse that we see online all the time that's now seeping out into just how we think it's appropriate to behave in society? Has it changed the playing field, if that makes sense? Has Mm. it normalized that kind of extreme attack and abuse and disregard for people's personal safety and things like that? Mm. Um, Is it that people feel so disenfranchised at this point with homelessness, with the trolley crisis that it strikes me, do people feel more like they have nothing to lose you know, we kind of need to actually be able to talk about them, to understand them, to then try and address the situations, because I don't think any of us are really clear on it at the moment. And the kind of silence around it, because understandably, TDs I want to talk about as well, because can you imagine like if you're launching an election campaign and you're trying to figure out like what message do you want to get c- across to the electorate about the individual that you're asking them to vote for? Victim isn't one of those things, you know. So nobody really wants to talk about it. You don't want to be perceived as weak and all of those things. But ultimately, when we see the the kind of level of abuse that public representatives are getting, um, most recently Minister Ann Rabbit, but mm-hmm. the things that people have come out with over the last few weeks since the media coverage of it, gun shells left at their back door, a TD's car was set on fire,
11: Sorry, people King. being
10: cornered and intimidated in their constituency offices. I have to ask the question, what exactly are we waiting for to happen before we're going to actually try and do something about yeah.
11: it? You, 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 you. And the
10: biggest impediment is us yeah. not wanting to talk about it, unfortunately. Yes. And we look over to the UK and two MPs yes. have been murdered. So yes. we just have to take it a little bit more seriously, with also an awareness that it isn't the most important issue in the country. I have to say, I'd rather be on your programme today talking about the deal with Quilta, talking yeah. about what's going on at the moment with the optional protocol and the rights of people with disabilities. Sure. But here we are. It has to be addressed.
5: Indeed. And... You you brought up the the UK situation, and I remember the morning after the incident with Minister Rabbit, and with Curran Cannon was also there. That incident and the when we were covering it in in the to the extent that we did, the comments that came in almost justifying it, almost saying, "Well, life is tough for people, and they're they're lashing out," almost. Justifying it Holly that must be that must be frightening as a politician to think that someone and that's like you said, the bag of crap being thrown at a minister that's if if they justify that, what else will they justify?
10: That's it. I think we need to think about this properly and think it's absolutely appropriate and actually necessary, I would say crucial yeah. to challenge politicians on their policy, on the legislation they're implementing on the decisions that they're making. And if you're not happy with those pieces of legislation, like, vote in that way. <laughs> and I think, you know, that's, we have a democracy and it can feel really frustrating at times. And you can understand, you know, say if you take something like the housing crisis and people are saying, perhaps listeners might be thinking now, well, that's all well and good, Holly, but I have voted in the last three elections for change and I still have, you know, Fianna Fáil or Fianna Gael or whatever. But it's like, that is... only way we can change it it's a democratic system it's not you can vote with your feet it's not appropriate to ever attack an individual to physically attack an individual and like that is the only way to address this is at the ballot box if you feel if, if it's coming from that place of just feeling so disenfranchised exercise that in other ways get into activism do things to actually change the situation attacking an individual actually just damages I think the body politic, it damages the on the ground nature of Irish politicians with the general public that I think we really need to try and um preserve. But it is important that we like absolutely condemn those actions but also try and understand where they're coming from. Yes. And if anyone's listening, you know, if they want to write into the show anonymously, it's important for us to understand is it a feeling of being disenfranchised? Is it perhaps getting like does social media rile people up in a particular way now where we see these kind of like, oftentimes it's misinformation as well, but little kind of sound bites of information that just make you feel more and more angry. And like, you know, the kind of whole system is working against people. And we see the kind of widening gap between the rich and the poor all the time. And all of these things can can understandably make people feel frustrated. Yeah. But how do we deal with that frustration? You know, that's the, the separate thing. And I'm not saying by any means that, oh, you know, because policies... Um, are disenfranchising people, that it's okay to ever um, attack them. I, that's what I mean. It's absolutely not. You know, we need to we need to really think about this. And then in relation to the kind of targeted, um, specific type of abuse that female public representatives seem to be experiencing, I think that is something very different. And it needs to be examined and analysed in a different way because there's going to be then a different solution for that. Because, you know, in terms of that, like... You know, speaking out about it, it's not particularly enjoyable. I don't think anyone who's listening to your program now who's spoken out about any kind of abuse in the past, you don't feel better when you do it. Mm. It's not like, oh, that's a relief now. Kind of brings potentially more abuse, and um, you feel like you may be pigeonholed as a victim. And we see that. And I'm not comparing these situations to mine because they're entirely different. But, for example, PJ, like in situations around rape in Ireland. Mm. Less than 1% of victims of rape get justice because one of the massive reasons is people do not want to go forward and speak out. They feel like the system is adversarial because it is. The victim is essentially trialled by court and by media and by the general public rather than the perpetrator. Mm. You have to prove a negative, you know, that... You didn't consent rather than the perpetrator having to prove that they didn't commit a crime. And you'd never see that in any other kind of trial. It's only when it's violence against women essentially, or sometimes it is men in that scenario, but predominantly it's women who are victims of that crime. Whereas if somebody burgled your house, you wouldn't be saying, Well, do you think perhaps the the victim of the burglary was asking to be burgled? Were you sort of flaunting your cash? Do we driving around in a new car? You know, we never presume that somebody was asking to be burgled, for true, example. Very true. So the kind of culture we have around violence against women is very kind of fraught. Um and like this time a year ago, we saw this kind of outpouring of people saying we need to address this when Ashton Murphy was murdered. Yes. This has to be addressed because since since in this year alone, we were still in January, two women have been murdered. And we didn't see the same kind of outpouring because I think sometimes it's a time and a place and a I don't know, you know, we haven't seen the same kind of reaction to that, but I raised it in the toll last week because mm-hmm. I think it's important that we highlight it every single time that this is an ongoing issue and the murders I think it's over 360 women since 1966. Yes. They're the tip of the iceberg. They that that's what the result of accumulation of problems of uh, coercive control of um financial abuse of Uh, domestic violence, of all of these things. And there are actions that we can take to address those things. And we saw all of these promises coming from government at the time that Ashley Murphy was murdered, refuge spaces for domestic violence. We have less than 50% of the recommended bare minimum in Ireland. There's supposed to be one for every 10,000 people. In Ireland, we have one for every 10,000 women. That's 50% less. Education is another one. Education, education, education. Why aren't we teaching people in schools about respectful and healthy sexual relationships, for example? Mm -hmm. Where is this culture coming from that we feel like it's okay as a society to speak to women in a particular way? All of these things are things that can be addressed and worked on. We've identified all of them. And when the public pressure is on, the government are focused on it, but it falls by the wayside immediately when Mm -hmm. that public outcry dissipates because it's not feasible for it to continue on. But there's different types of abuse there's different ways to address it and to encourage more people into politics. We just have to do something about it. I think this is the first step.
5: Yes. Will you be standing again, Holly?
10: hundred percent. Yeah, I've never been more determined, to be honest. And, okay. you know, I think it's to be expected that when you do have different types of people going into politics, that there's kind of institutions there who have always had control of constituencies and they, they actually talk about the seats like they own them. Like you would say things <laughs> like Fianna Fáil seat, the Pina seat, like it's, ultimately it's the seat of the people mm-hmm. and I think that's amazing that we, we're in charge of how our countries, run by virtue of who we like to run it and it's like I said it's been my biggest honour in my life to represent Cork Southwest, and it's to be expected that when outsiders kind of get in like that that often you know people will try and take you down and I did like I said on the uh, group chat podcast and on the late late like it did knock me back I have to say yeah. it built up and I did feel like I wanted to take a step back from doing media. Um, I didn't want to be in my constituency office. I was, you know, it did knock me back a bit. But like I said, that incident was some time ago. I've taken measures. I've got um, a great protective dog. I've got these I've got locks on my doors. I do the things that I need to do and I couldn't it's, it's, be it's, more it's, determined. It's, to it's
5: horrible going. that you have to do all those things though, isn't it? Just for, do it, just for doing your job
10: it shouldn't be the case and I think it's something we need to address I hope that uh, this will be the start of it I know that there's going to be a kind of meeting convened in the Oireachtas um, in light of the discussions we've been having over the last week so that's a positive I hope that yeah. steps will be taken um, but I'm absolutely uh, running again I have no no doubt about Good. that
5: Let me ask you a question that's come in from Bernie and see what how you respond to it um, so, Bernie says, what happened to her should never happen to anybody. But I feel just because it's a politician, we're all supposed to weep for them. Does she not understand there are people doing their shopping in town to feed themselves who are fearful incidents several times a week? And the weaker you are, the more they pick on you. I would love for her to know what I go through. I can't change the law. I can't put more guards on the beat, but politicians can. That's coming from Bernie.
10: I actually completely agree with Bernie and like honestly one of the reasons that I really didn't want to talk about it was um, like I'm aware that say for me talking about how I might feel unsafe in my home and then there's some people don't have a home to feel unsafe in it seems very rich actually and I do think that that's a big reason why a lot of TDs don't want to ever talk about it because yeah. I'm aware it is not the most important issue in the country. Bernie is completely right and like the kind of um, abuse people get comes in so many other professions, like in nursing, in care, in psychiatric care, in all of these things. Like, I think that she's absolutely right. And I just agree with her. Mm, Um, And all I can say is when we have these feelings, and I remember going into politics and thinking, because like I felt like very before politics just so frustrated. And I thought actually the best way to address it is to go in and try and change legislation. I can't actually allow for more guards on the street at the moment because I'm in opposition, not in government. I would love to get into government. But I felt that kind of frustration and I thought, well, I'm going to go into politics and try and do something about it. And now it wasn't specifically in relation to that issue. But then I remember when I got in and I was, um, one of the things that I felt was that we needed more diversity in there, more people who were kind of maybe not really ingrained in the institutional ways that politics works in Ireland, because I don't think it serves everybody. Mm. You know, we need better representation. And one of the things I thought was we need maternity leave for counsellors uh, to try and get more women in. And I think yeah. that would help decision making and people saying, well, why is she working to try and get that for, for counsellors? You know, that's not the people, the general public. But my, I suppose, I hope I'm explaining it well enough to Bernie, but the point I'm trying to make is that in order to make better legislation, for example, to get more guards on the street to try and address the homeless crisis, to try and address the trolley crisis, I think is to change the kind of representation that we have, the kind of government that we have. Mm. And I really believe that that can happen and that it's the only way to actually get those changes. So that's why I think we need to try and make it more appealing to people who might be thinking going into politics, okay. somebody perhaps like Bernie that wouldn't be deterred by hearing about the kind of abuse that you might get, gun gels left at your back door, your car set on fire. Yeah. You know, we need to change this system democratically, in my opinion, and you know, I'm I'm sorry that it maybe it appears like that, that I'm focusing on a particular issue and it can seem a bit rich. That's, mm-hmm. I'm actually really aware there are much more important issues out there.
5: Yeah, no. And uh, one, one thing that I, I did do was watch the full uh, group chat interview because I know that there was a lot more to it. And I would advise anybody to go and look at it because it's a it's a it's a
0: one. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds at Mint Mobile. We like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. Get started today at plushcare dot com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare dot com slash weight loss.
5: Wide ranging uh, conversation with yourself and the guys on, on Virgin Media. Holly, uh, thank you for being with me today, and um, I wish you good luck.
10: Thank you so much, PJ.
5: Cheers. There you go. That's uh, Holly Cairns, TD for Cork uh, South West. Stalkingireland.ie is a website that was set up a couple of years ago. I've spoken to both Una Ring and Eve McDowell. They set up Stalkingireland.ie after the... They both had their own horrific experiences. Uh, Mary Crilly helped them with Stalkingireland.ie as well. That's there. If anybody has any... uh, experience of stalking or are worried what you might do if you felt you were being stalked uh, stalkingireland.ie is that website we thank you. Holly Cairns 0818 96 96
1: 96. Join the conversation Email opinion at 96fm.ie
2: This is the Opinion line with PJ Coogan Coach 96 FM
1: Going
5: up after 11 Mike Murphy legendary broadcaster uh, will be Deemed an honorary Corkman at the Cork Person of the Year Awards on Friday. Now, I think he has some rights through the granny rule to claim Cork blood anyway. But we'll catch up with Mike after the 11 o'clock news and remember some of the stuff that, that he's done over the years on television with his... Uh, I'm Mike Morphy from RTÉ. And the wind-ups that he was doing all those years ago. And they're still, if you sit and watch them, they're still as funny as they ever were. That's after 11. We'll chat with, with Mike Murphy. But Nicole on Dangerous Driving Near Schools. Morning.
13: Morning, PJ. How are you?
5: Good, good. Where's this been happening?
13: So, the Carrot Junior School in Mayfield. Yeah. Um, it's taken, I mean, on behalf of Ted Tynan, really, not on behalf of him, but just to basically let everyone know, which I'm sure the majority of maybe knows, what a great man he is, and he is relentless, and he is dedicated to his community. Um, about three years ago, we began a campaign to set, put a set of traffic lights, something similar now to the pedestrian crossings he was discussing outside our Lady Crown church. Um, the band off roads there, coming from the Barn restaurant, coming up Glenmire, is basically nearly a motorway at this stage, the amount of trucks um, I don't even know how they managed to come up the band, the band of Road and up the Barnavara Hill um, it's just and I, I really be, began to feel once Carrie Junior School was established mm. and even seen people crossing the road and the number of buses that are dropped there with kids coming home from school that it was a fatality waiting to happen basically um, because of course there is there is speed signs but sure again people you know, like they're there for decoration and for a lot of people not everyone now not everyone so, um, I know Ted trying in with years, obviously living in Mayfield all my life, and I knew if he was a man, he was a man to get something done. So, I contacted him, and together we put together um, a petition, went on the local estates, and asked Carroll Junior School could they get involved, and they did happily. And they got their own petitions together with the parents and everyone there, and we were able to submit it to the City Hall through Ted three years ago. Mm-hmm. And we we're still waiting. But we've got word that, it was on the Echo actually, and we got word that I think construction of a pedestrian crossing is meant to commence before the end of January. Now we're nearly at the end of January, so we're hoping it would come into play sooner rather than later. Three,
5: three years, Nicole.
13: Three years, three years, yeah, because all the funding wasn't there and, and all this, and again, like, has, our fear was that it would have to take a fatality for it to happen before something would be done. So the fact we've even got it sanctioned, I think is, is a bit of a miracle. But I just wanted to let kind of everyone know, really, that Ted signing is just the the worth really of it. Like he's
5: Ted, Ted's around Ted's around the block a long time now. Nicole, Yeah.
13: Isn't, isn't <laughs> that portrait. just
5: isn't that just the thing that would grind your gears though?
13: Yeah. That three yeah. years ago, yeah,
5: they agreed to put a crossing there, and well, still three, haven't swung yeah. a pick.
13: Yeah. Well, well, three years ago we commenced it, and I think the last eighteen months to two years it was agreed. Um, it's just, like, he really is, like, and I, I, he I kept me in contact all the time, kept me in the loop, oh,
11: yeah. and I left
13: all the neighbours' notes through WhatsApp groups and everything that, you know, he brought it up at every meeting. Like, I'd say, like, he, he is just relentless And when he believes in something and he knows oh, it's right. No
5: doubt. No, no yeah. doubt. I'm just looking at the concept, though, even with someone like Ted Tynan fighting the coroner yeah. and refusing to give up, like a dog with a bone, even with that happening, it's still three years since she made the case. That is just daft. Yep. Three
4: utterly, years,
5: yep. utterly daft.
13: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know. And it's all it's all down to the funding and uh, the council and the money and the whole lot. And I tell you now, uh, like, outside of that, I i, I not know what goes on in the City Hall, but if Ted Tynan was a TD <laughs> and if he was certainly up there in the dial, like, there'd be definitely more things done, I think. But, you know, he really, he doesn't, I mean, he could ring you, all, not all, all hours of the night, but like he's there at the drop of a hat, you know, I mean, he doesn't get enough credit for what he does, really, he for, the, for the community in Mayfield.
5: He's a popular pop man up there. I know that. He's run a long time. Nicole, thank you. Uh, outside that junior school, carriage Junior School, but that that's the bit, regardless of who you've got driving it. The three years, and they haven't yet had a pickaxe swung in anger up there. It's just absolutely ridiculous. We got this um, in totally different subject from Rachel uh, My mother has been trying to register her properties with the RTB says Rachel Every time you ring them it's about 40 minutes on hold Any time i tried try it anyway You go on the website and you have to amalgamate entries from the old and the new site and it still doesn't combine properly Then you have to go on the phone again to get it all working that took me nearly an hour between waiting and doing it the people who are using this are often in the pension age bracket they're all sitting at home now waiting to be fined for not registering it's like they wiped out a generation of small pensioner landlords I don't want to go on air about this but I feel it should be highlighted the person wants to obviously mind their own anonymity she's written to Dara O'Brien the housing minister she's furious yes that registration thing with the RTB I've never had to try it myself but I have been told um, that it is complex, to say the very, very least. I love this. Andrew. And it's funny, I was at the weekend, I was down in I was down in East Cork. We had a fabulous night. We were down in, um, in the Gary Hotel. They had a medieval banquet down there where the, the gaffer at the hotel, Stephen Belton, who had a fine head of hair, Got the whole thing shaved off for her breakthrough cancer research. And it was a great, and there was a big fundraising raffle. And myself and Derek from the Virgin Media Tele Weatherman, we were the hosts and we had to commentate on this whole shaving of the head. It was a fantastic night. And I'll find out later in the week how much they raised for breakthrough cancer research. And, I, and I'll let you know, but it was a great night, fabulous night. But. I was looking at the menu, and I'd seen this message come in. I was looking at the menu, (laughs) just how we present menus these days. And Andrew says, breakfast, he says. Breakfast, says Andrew. Scented slivers of West Cork salmon with smashed avocado on a rye bun. (laughs) And then you listen to some life coach telling you how to breathe. (laughs) How did we get here? whatever happened to a bowl of cornflakes tea and toast as I read the back of the cornflakes box and dream of winning a BMX how right you are don't mean Gary Vaux, it's a case of a full Irish, that's what they tell you it's a full Irish but I do. you're right, you're, you're so right Andrew and has anyone seen that this, descriptions of food they would drive you mad like scented slivers of West Quark salmon with smashed avocado on a rye bun Like, what? What's that about? It's a bit of fish and a squashed avocado. No, I hate avocado. I would rather eat a bar of soap. But it is popular, I know. Do you remember last week, we talked to Michelle after a case to do with a puppy farm in, in County Cork. Michelle was shocked when she read about this case. And she bought a dog from this farm a while back and she was, you know, she'd given on the number to other people and presumably they'd gone and, and bought dogs too and she was feeling bad about it but as I said to her when I was talking to her she wasn't to know what was going on. Now the case is currently under appeal so we're, we're just skirting around it a little bit but it, it is ongoing, it's out there for you to find. There have been a number of uh, detailed reports on what was found uh, at this uh, puppy firm, but also we were put in touch with a group called Dog Advocacy Ireland, which campaigns on behalf of our four-legged friends. And I'm joined by John O'Cannaghan from uh, Dog Advocacy Ireland next.
1: The Cork Diary
2: on Cork's 96FM
1: The Ballincollig 5K Your Way group invites those living with and beyond cancer, their families, friends and those working in cancer services to walk, jog, run, cheer or volunteer at the Park Run Ballincollig on Saturday morning the 28th of January. If you're interested in taking part, the event is free and the group will be meeting just before the Park Run at 20 past 9 at the Regional Park colleague If you have an event you would like mentioned, email the details to corkdiary at 96fm.ie
2: The Cork Diary.
1: With corksimon.ie. Because everyone who calls Cork home should have one. Corks 96fm Join the conversation Text or WhatsApp 083
2: This is the Opinion Live with PJ Cook Corks 96fm So John O'Callaghan from
5: Dogs Advocacy Ireland joins me John, we were recommended uh, to talk to you and find out more about your work And that's what we're here to do Morning Good morning PJ, how
12: are you? Listen, thank you for offering me the platform to to raise awareness of Dog Advocacy Ireland Uh, It's a pleasure to be on your programme
5: Thank you, good to have you What what are you
9: about? What's your group about?
12: Dog welfare in Ireland is broken PJ It needs to be addressed. And while there are many fantastic rescue centres in this country, there are 237 of them doing Trojan work. They are actually firefighting. And without them, God help us. And more to the point, God help the poor dogs who are needlessly suffering. Because unfortunately, Ireland has the unenviable distinction as puppy farm capital of Europe what a shameful accolade to hold
5: now define a puppy farm a puppy farm
12: there is such thing well in legislation there are dog breeding establishment licenses uh There are some, obviously there are some genuine, legitimate dog breeders out there who are doing their dog breeding because they love dogs or a particular breed and they're doing it more more as a hobby because of their love and affection for dogs and they treat their dogs impeccably well. So let's not target those people, but... Unfortunately I've already mentioned there are hundreds of puppy farms in Ireland. We are puppy farm capital of Europe. This is where unscrupulous individuals are breeding dogs it's a breed for greed culture. Yeah. These dogs are being caged in minimal k- kennels with little or no space to, to move or turn around. There is no love shown, uh, PG. Yeah. Uh, they they are, some of them, in, in a lot of cases, and particularly in, in the case of the puppy farm in Cork, where the authorities, the inspectors from Cork County Council on three inspections within within a short time frame found these 218 dogs lying in their own faeces, yeah. having no uh, bedding, no heating, no comfort, oh. matted hair. I mean, how much more graphic can I get here?
5: preferably not much more for the time of day we're talking, John, but I do get the picture you paint. Now, look, this case is being appealed, so we, we have to treat it with a certain amount of, of delicacy at this point in time. But what Michelle contacted us about was the fact that the dogs are still there, despite the issuing of an order on January 3rd. How does that come about? It's baffling, to
12: be honest, P G how... The local authority, which is responsible for issuing this dog breeding establishment license in the first instance, they're also responsible and obliged to uphold the Animal Health and Welfare Act, along with the Control of Dogs Act. And I don't want to get too complicated here, but they have a statutory responsibility for the safe uh, welfare of those dogs. To issue a, a closure notice to this puppy farm which is the local authority Cork County Council inspectors have identified is in breach of numerous sections of the Animal Health and Welfare Act they've put it, posted it on their own website I, I'm glad they've actually done that but to permit those that this puppy farmer to retain those dogs and in that appalling facility is just outrageous
5: it makes no sense what could be done with them? Like 200 dogs is not a number to be sniffed at. What could be done? There's a precedent,
12: PJ, Myshell County Carlow, back about four years ago, there was a court case pending because of the, of the nature and the level of abuse in on that facility. The local authority, along with uh, guardy and other rescue centres, mounted uh, a mission to seize those dogs from that facility, which they did. Mm -hmm. So they brought, recovered those dogs with a multi-agency effort and took those dogs and brought them to safety. Only on Tuesday, in Palace Green County, Limerick, a similar operation was carried out. So the pending court case doesn't impinge on the local authority doing its job it's just outrageous that they would abandon these 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 dogs to an abuser.
5: The, the argument of County Council seems to be that with an appeal ongoing, and we, we must stress the individual is entitled and fully entitled to appeal, with the appeal ongoing, the council says it can't intervene. You disagree?
12: Absolutely, I disagree. How does it make sense that an authority who is responsibility for the, the care and welfare of those, those dogs. The authority that issued the Dog Breeding Establishment Licence in the first instance. They are supposed to carry out uh, inspections on a regular basis and the local authority inspectors have, have discovered on three occasions since October that this facility is a breach of numerous aspects of that, that welfare. Dogs are kept in atrocious con- mm. conditions. Mm-hmm. They must act. The precedent has been set that a multi-agency operation to, to secure the safe the comfort of those dogs can be achieved. They did it in in my shell. They've done it just on Tuesday in Limerick.
5: So the precedent is there and you're calling on the council to act. John, for people who want a dog, uh, the advice is always adopt, don't shop. But if I'm looking to get myself a dog, what are the things I should look out for if I want to know that I'm getting a dog from a, a reputable person?
12: Well, again, I would suggest... Like you have just said, PJ, I would encourage people to adopt, don't shop. There are, I've already mentioned the numerous rescue centers that are out there. Some of them are having to temporarily close their doors because they're inundated with rescue dogs. So there's no need whatsoever to mm-hmm. go buying a dog. Yeah. Go to your local rescue center or your pound, Mm. and rescue a dog give a dog that second chance
9: do you know
5: what sometimes would drive people to a puppy farm John is the rescues they're very selective in who they'll give a dog to are those rules
12: necessary? Well, I'm I'm not qualified. I'm not a, a vet. I'm not a dog behaviourist. I'm not a, a, a dog trainer. But I I get the point that people do find difficulty. But there's a reason for that difficulty. The the rescue centre are doing their utmost in the best interests of the dog. Yes. It's difficult enough to have a dog, would say, in, in an apartment block, for example. Mm. Because we all know that dogs need exercise, they need to do their business, and all of that. That can be quite difficult if you're living in an apartment block or, or living in in in, hmm. in a accommodation where you don't have access to a garden or a park.
5: Hmm. We we need to the mentality, don't we, John? Of it's a family for a dog, not a dog for a family.
12: Absolutely. You know, it's not our right to own a dog; it's a privilege. So. That privilege comes with responsibilities. Yes. We need to know what we're taking on if we're getting a dog in the first place. We need to commit to caring for them. Yes. John, thanks for joining me. Thank you for giving me the opportunity, PJ. If I just if I can just mention the website before I go, it's dogadvocacyireland.ie.
5: Much appreciated. Thank you, John. Thank you, PJ. Dog AdvocacyIreland.ie. Thank you, John O'Callaghan. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. A lot of support in the room for uh, Holly Kearns. Uh, and her telling of her story in in the last week or so. Listening to Holly, she is a bright, intelligent person. I'm delighted I gave her my vote at the last election. She's been an engaging, analytical and compassionate speaker since she was a councillor. I've not heard a politician like her since Sean Lemass, and that was a long time ago. But that is high praise indeed. Thank you for that. Just on speed cameras, Ed was on earlier on. Ed's a retired member of the fire service, and in terms of going out to accidents and crashes and pile-ups, he has seen it all. And he was saying about speed cameras, and yeah, look, you might feel hard done by. If you get done doing 65 or 66 in a a 60 zone, you may well feel hard done by. But someone may be alive because of that, because of that speed camera being there uh, that you might not have appreciated that when you got your fixed charge notice and your three points and whatever you got I fully agree with speed cameras near black spots or schools etc but we all know says Owen they'll end up on dual carriageways on sunny days soft targets, easy cash on statistically the safest roads we have that's why people are cynical when it comes to the camera operators claiming they're being used for safety reasons, thank you for that and on scooters And electric bikes, look, they're a new mode of transport. A lot of people have them, a lot of people use them. Scooters are not supposed to be on the open road. There's legislation going through at the moment, but it's not through yet. Scooters and electric bikes, says this message, have the Mahan Marina Black Rock Greenway destroyed. Especially the commuters and the delivery drivers using it as a highway. This needs far more policing and regulation, especially the big, heavy electric bikes out there. It's like being hit by a moped. We had a few near accidents in the past week down there with our pram. I'm new to pushing a pram, so I'm learning as I go. So it could be it could be my use of the pram, but still. A beautiful amenity is being monopolised by the site, the electric bikes and the scooters, for their own benefit. The most important people using the area should surely be pedestrians, and leisurely non motorized cyclists. 0818 96, 96 96 Live free
2: in 23.
1: Listen and win. Oh my God! Yeah. A year to remember. Everyone! everyone.
2: Cut the cost of living for one loyal listener with
1: the ultimate live free grand prize: win a holiday, free fuel,
2: supermarket shopping,
1: computers and electrical, concert tickets, fashion and beauty, free food, and a credit union account with cash. Spending
2: money, money. Listen to Casey and Ross in the morning and all day long
1: for your chance to text or WhatsApp in to win live free in 23 with cork credit unions here for you always I'm in- <laughs> Thank you. only
2: on corks 96 fm the lines are
1: live <laughs> Join the conversation Call 0818 96, 96,
2: 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96
1: 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie This
2: is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan Box 96 FM
5: Let me just briefly mention, this is for myself and Fergal, uh, Pat Dunn. Uh, younger brother of the late Ted, who was of course a dear friend of us both. Pat turns sixty today, and a happy birthday, Pat, down there in Glenmire Great day from all the family and friends, and of course, a Ted watching over you carefully as he always did. Happy birthday, Pat. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. The number. Now I want to spend some time chatting to this gentleman and want to get his Cork credentials from him because I do believe he has some. I do believe there are some granny rule or something rule that qualifies him to be one of us. He will be made an honorary Corkman on Friday, regardless of that. I speak of this
14: scamp. I, I'm here about the washing. What? I'm here about the washing. The washing. I tell you, I, I, I'm in a bit of a rush, you know. Hello, that's a nice uh, little Rally? fella. Ronnie, I'm in a bit of a rush, so if I could leave them now, I'll be back around 6 o'clock uh, to correct them.
11: I'll
14: be back around the 6 o'clock now, because I tell you, I am in a bit of a rush, you know, and I can't be hanging around here talking all day. So if you'll take them now, you needn't iron them now, and I'll be back in a few minutes. Wash them. Must be a joke. <laughs> I'll, I'll be back party. in a few. Well, I I tell you now, I, I tell you I'm in a bit of a rush. I'd love to stay around talking to you, but I tell you I have to go off now and do a bit of a walk. But I'll be back around six. If you can have them for me, then now no wilding on them. Could I leave a few bits with you? Sorry, you I've only got a few. I, if I leave them with you, would that be all right? No, here, will sorry, you take them? I just the No, it's about the washing. <laughs> if I could leave them with you, just I'll be back about six. Will I leave them here? Yeah. I need them there but no thanks very much I'll be back about six o'clock for the, for the rest of
5: the watch <laughs> <laughs> Would you look over there there's the camera I'm Mike Murphy from RGE Mike good morning Good morning BJ They're as
15: funny Go yeah
5: Go ahead They're as funny as they everywhere you know
15: yeah, I mean, I know they showed them... Uh, it seems to be becoming a bit of a Christmas staple and boring the hell out of the Irish people every Christmas, re-showing them on, on television and all that. But, you know, the funny thing, I hadn't seen them for such a long time, and I actually watched them this year. They were I, I can't remember what night they were on, but it was over the Christmas period. And actually, I did myself think some of them were quite funny, I must say, you know... But that one that you just played there, the washing—I—I I, I recall doing that. Mm. And you know, we were working under uh, under a hell of a lot of restrictions at the time doing those kind of cameras because we only had an old bread van, O'Brien's bread van. We cut a hole in the oven, stuck the camera lens sticking <laughs> out of it. And then I <laughs> and I was so, in other words, I could not go past the hall door because the, the camera was out in the in the van. But um, that I do recall that the thing about the washing and one of the days we were out and we were in desperation. I don't know where it was in the country, but we were in desperation because nothing had worked and we only had the van and the crew for the day. Mm. And uh, we it was it was an evening. It was towards the evening, and I think at that stage I said, "God, look at." Give them some of your jackets and shirts there for God's sake. So the crew, come on, we'll try something else. And we just, I said, come on, we'll try something of it, but pretend I'm leaving some washing. Let's see if we get away with this. And we did it, and we did it in one go. Just the one unfortunate lovely woman and her children and the dog at the door, and. It worked, and it was nice and short and snappy, and it gets played a lot. But yeah, yeah, they hold up quite well. They I do. Think, they, yeah. Where did they? Who started them? With the your idea or somebody else's? I think on the very first series I ever did, which was the likes of Mike, and that was in the early seventies. Tom McGrath had chosen me out of nowhere to present my own television series, and it receives what is euphemistically called mixed critical acclaim. I was simply hammered by, it, by the critics, <laughs> untalented, can't sing, can't dance, can't act, can't anything. Uh, but one of the things was me as a bit of an idiot kind of playing little jokes on the neighbours kind of thing, and that's how it started. Mm-hmm. I think the very first of the ones with a bit of bite um, was the one we did in Dundalk, with uh, Paddy Martin, the butcher, and I had a white marker, and I was, was I was sent by, by this mysterious uh, Mr O'Neill as headquarters, who told me to go out and offer bargain stakes, S-T-A-K-E-S, at a shilling a pound. And I was writing it on the window, and poor paddy came running out, and eventually he told me to F off. And he became a bit of a celebrity, and it was very popular around the country. And that kind of started yeah. the real ones,
5: you know. You, you, you caught Gable, and that's the one that most people thought, because yeah. everyone thought you couldn't catch Gabo, but
15: you did. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it, I, you're right, it is the one... Uh, still people I meet in the street and it's, uh, I enjoyed the one at Trinity College with Gay. And yeah, uh, I think he thought he could never be caught. But of course, as, as I think everybody knows by now, the shock. I I always think, look at the end, and I look like the right fool standing there. When, when he did tell me to F off, um, I had never heard Gay curse. Uh, uh, ever. Do you know what I mean? Gay didn't curse. Do you know what I mean? He never cursed. And for him to actually say it to me on, on television was unbelievable. but uh, And I stood like a fool there. But And right enough, it was a great catch. There's no doubt about it. And he yeah. took us really well, you know. Though, mind you, he and I were very close friends, you know, um, in later years. Yeah. We, we we were very close. And I remember towards, oh, God, what would it be, five or six years ago, a pair of us were walking down a road near here and um, somebody stopped us, a woman stopped us and said, ah, the two of you, you know, that Trinity College and that's it, et cetera, et cetera, she was la- laughing her head off about it and yep. we walked on and he turns to me and he says, I sincerely hope that's not all I'm going to be remembered for when I die
5: <laughs> <laughs> I know I, Mike, it started out on radio didn't it with you, and then telev- did, did television come first or second? <clears throat>
15: No, uh, television, television first, no, uh, no, uh, I think it was television first, I'm trying to remember back, but yeah, no, TV, no, it was TV, started out on TV. Right, so were you
5: literally plucked from obscurity, or had you always wanted to be a broadcaster?
15: Ah, no, I was, um, well, I was um, doing sports uh, reporting uh, on TV, and I was an announcer on radio. And uh, then when I was doing the sports, yeah, sports on TV. And then Tom McGrath was the guru of kind of television broadcasting. He picked gays to do the Late Late Show. He he was the man in in television and all this kind of stuff. And he created the Late Late Show. And uh, he asked me to meet him um, one day, and I had never met Tom McGrath before. And he said come up to the St. Francis Xavier Hall. Now, I was very young at the time, you know, and uh, and I went up to meet the great Tom McGrath, and uh, he he was up in the St. Francis Xavier Hall, rehearsing, rehearsing some show, and I sat in the theatre, at the back of the theatre. I was kind of shy, and I was nervous. I said not know, what the hell does he want to see me about? And he walked down the thing, he's a pipe, and he's smoking a pipe, he said, how are you, Ed? Hello, hi, Tom, nice to meet you, or something like that. And he said, would you like to compare the National Song Contest? So I said, yeah, that will be great. Thanks very much. And um, he said, OK, I'll see you on Wednesday week or something like that. And I always remember going out of the things and thinking, God, that's a hell of a big break. Because at that time, now we're talking about 1970, 71, that kind of time. Yeah. And at that time, the National Song Contest was a big deal. It, was now, huge. it really was. Yeah. So uh, I did the national on contest, and um, after that, he then said to me, do you want to do your own TV series? And I did it, but like I say, I wasn't a runaway success. <laughs> well, like I think I like think the that. dancing the dancing didn't
5: help. The <laughs> insistence on dancing
15: didn't didn't. You, help. I hope you're not disparaging my my footwork. You, well,
5: people still
15: do the Mike Murphy
5: shuffle, <laughs> you know. <and> out <laughs>
15: with, <laughs> what do you mean shuffle?
5: <laughs> it, it's a pad A pad. Okay. <laughs> it's a pad. A pad Come here, <laughs> yeah. honorary Corkman Do you have cork connections?
15: Did I read somewhere? that you do. Excuse me, I heard you being a little lightweight about that (laughs) when you were doing your introduction there. Um, I I actually, my grandmother was an O'Connell from Middleton. Really? For a start. That's for a start. Secondly, I was buried in Cork.
5: Now, it's funny that we should get a question in as you make that point, Mike.
15: John Hurley remembers the Mountain Dew Festival. That, now your apps that's exactly so so for you to be questioning my my entitlement to this great award is a bit shabby to be frank because <laughs> i'm i am actually i was buried in McGroom. So I that was again in the seventies, and how the it was the Mountain did How did that come about? Look, at, I don't know, how did it happen. I don't know. I think they were saying this was well, a bit of an age on television. You will do anything, and we'll do something that's a real novelty, and we'll get him to see would he be buried alive? Oh no! I'll tell you how it happened. The, the Tim Hayes was a um, a corkman who became famous for be, for staying underground in a coffin for the longest time that a human being ever did who was actually alive. Now, I do not know how long he was down. Let's say 120 days. I'm not absolutely sure. But anyway, the, the McCroom Mountain Dew Festival decided we're going to see, can we get any other half-wit who would be prepared to go down in a coffin? And so they settled on me. Frank Hall, at the time, was the compere. And uh, I got into a coffin in McCroom, and they dug a huge pit. I mean, a, a literally a kind of a six feet under job. And I got into the coffin anyway. And oh yeah, I must tell you, but before I went down, we, we were we were in the, the the area where the where I was going to go down, and we were on the platform. And Frank Hall said, "Now, Mike, I'd like you to meet Tim Hayes, the man who has uh, the world record for et cetera. Et cetera. And Tim and I shook hands and all this kind of stuff. And then um, Frank said to to Tim, uh, Tim, have you any advice now that you can give to Mike before he goes underground? And Tim said, Mike, don't let your legs get itchy because you won't be able to scratch them. I said, oh, God, he's right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, jeez, he's dead right. I wouldn't, you know. So anyway... I got into the coffin. Uh, they lowered me down, and they put me down the full six feet or whatever it was. But I was right down. With the, there was a pipe kind of coming down to me, and and then they they covered it up. You know, they covered me up, and they literally covered it up to ground level. So I was I was literally six feet under. You know, with the and I could I to be perfectly honest with you now, um, I can still remember the sound of the clay coming down on top of me. Um, on the top of the box. <laughs> you know, it I I the, the was time kind of the thinking. original a celebrity get me out of here, I, wasn't it? That was kinda of stupid of me to be honest with you, for God's sake. <laughs> but anyway, uh, and then and then so people were passing by and talking down to me down along the pipe. But then some smartass came along and put his hand over the pipe and blocked out all the light and all the air. Uh, which I must say I didn't find very amusing. I can't imagine that you did. <laughs> and then when they dug me up, it took them about twenty minutes to dig me up. And I kind of decided if I the next time it'll be for good. I don't think I'll be doing this no, again. Wouldn't be chancing that again. A lot of people remembering the microquism. Gosh, that's right. Well, that I, I, I funny the microquism happened. I, I had been doing the live mic, and then I got a bit sick of the live mic, and I, I gave it up live on air. And RT didn't know what the hell to do with me after that, you know. They were a bit put out about the fact that I had walked away from a very successful program. And uh, they kind of didn't know what to do with me. And so they, came, they invented a quiz show around me. And that was the Mur- Murphy's Micro Quiz, which I really enjoyed, by the way. It it's was a good show. Uh, it was a oh, yeah, I really enjoyed I mean... It, look, it wasn't meaningful, but a lot of people thought it was good, and a lot of, uh, I mean, the the prize, I mean, if I say the prize would have been a Morris Minor, I may be exaggerating, but that was the grand prize at the end of the year. And I think we only gave away about one or two cars in the entire series. Three in the the entire years, I did. It's a been horrifying. Someone says you would have to have a bowl of tripe and Drasheen
5: now to recognise your Your (laughs) Honourary Carkness. Mike, Father Brian
15: Trendy, yeah, did you introduce yeah. him, or had he been around before? No, Dermot. Um, yeah, the great Dermot. When, when we were when we were uh, putting together, Murish O'Neill was the uh, uh, controller of programs uh, in RT at the time, and the late late was on a Saturday night And he got he said he got John Kilmer so John and I, John was producer, and John and I were friends and he's called the two of us into his office one day and he said look he said we need a really big friday night show and he said I want you two to go and come up with a live friday night show so we came back with uh, what turned out to be a very successful um Series the live Mike, and it went straight to number one in the ratings, and so for four years we were we were number one this week, the late late next week, huge ratings. We mm. were getting like at that time <clears throat> people were limited in what they were able to get in terms of channels. That's right. So we had a monopoly, you know, and uh, we were getting viewers up to, up to a million a week uh, on our programmes, Gay on the late late, and me and the live mic. But anyway, after uh, for a number of years, I kind of. Uh, I got fed up with it, and uh, I got—I didn't enjoy the last series I did so I left it. And uh, they had to—they had to kind of um, fit me into something else. And I suppose that, that was an interesting—an interesting time for me. But it was look, sorry, anyway, I'm losing the thread of what I'm talking about.
5: No, 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 it, it, we do remember it, and we remember Father Brian Trendy, and of course the launch. Oh, yeah, the launch of, of Dermot no, Morgan. Okay, really.
15: no, let me tell you about it. What we—what we did was. We decided we'd go and get or get people that we knew and people who'd be good. And at the time, I had been doing morning call. I was on the radio right. uh, every morning. And Dermot used to, he was a teacher in, um, in the St. Michael's College here. And he used to send me in very funny letters and I'd read them out over the air and then so and and, uh, I really his name stuck with me and then when we were getting people for the the show we, we got Twink first because we knew how talented Twink was in terms of doing impersonations and so on we got Twink and then we said, okay, let's go and see your man Dermot. We heard that he was doing a kind of a cabaret turn in UCD, which is where he, he was doing a bit of study in there. So we went over and we saw him. And at the time, he was he wasn't doing Father trendy, but he was doing wow. um, it was a, a send up of Big Tom, and he was send, he, he called us a Big Gum and the mainliners <laughs> or something. But anyway, he was very funny, and we spoke to him afterwards, and he said, "Look, as I had this other character." The um, Father Brian trendy, and uh, so he he did a bit of Father Brian trendy, and we said, yeah, great, he'd be great, and that's that's how we got Dermot on TV, and um, he did turned he turned out to be hugely successful. That's my other friend. And then he did the man, and, yes, and he'd smash up the studio, things so, like that. So, we we, we, we lost him way too young. What, what, a, ge- what a
2: genius yeah, he was. We lost at, him way I, too I, young.
15: I, you know something, I do think of it, and I just think God, with the the show is still a hugely amusing show, I oh, said, yeah. But when you think you about know, it, Mike, it really is. I, great, I,
5: I never knew that, that Dermot Morgan was discovered when he was writing to yeah, you Delive on Mike. Morning Call. Yeah, that's how he was discovered. Wow. Yeah, that's right. wow because well, yeah, I mean, I'm old but, I'm old enough to remember and I don't like telling my people what age I am
15: and I'm not going to but I remember Yowza, Yowza, Yowza Yeah, that's why we used to play records, uh, the kind of the country music records, a lot of them, and the mother records, I hated them. But, uh, you know, these kind of uh, my silver-haired granny of mine and that, I used to like them, and so we'd play them, and we'd, we'd play a soundtrack yowza, yowza, yowza after <laughs> And it turned out to be quite funny, and in fact, I remember coming up with and it wasn't that popular, I came up with my own uh, version of what what it needs. The song title, that would be all of the requirements of a number one hit in Ireland. It has to have patriotism, it has to have martyrdom, it has to have religion, and it has to have mother. So I came up with the all-encompassing title Mother died in the pool at Lourdes Shot by a Fenian gun I thought that would make a great hit It would have to be number one Did that somebody, ever get recorded? Somebody did record Somebody <laughs> made a, a poem or a song or a, For a laugh But uh, it has all the ingredients to be a hit
5: but Mike, from Friday we can finally Claim you as one of our own Like you said, links to Middleton And links to McCroom But from Friday you will be an honorary Corkman It's a pleasure to speak with you Mike Murphy And thank you
15: BJ, thanks very much, and I'm very, very honoured to be, be uh, attending on Friday, and I'm looking forward to it very much. Thanks
5: very much. Cheers, Mike. The great Mike Murphy, honorary Corkman from Friday. You could spend another half an hour chatting to him. He's doing a, he was doing a podcast, senior time, his podcast and stuff like that, but he's still active, still active in the old broadcasting. Thank you, Mike. 0818 96. 96, 96.
2: 9am On
1: Cork's 96
2: FM Lewis Capaldi is ringing back fans In his own self-marketing Somebody who bought his latest single Which went to number one straight away He's ringing them randomly Yeah, some of them not going so great No Right,
4: calling people who downloaded my new single To thank them This is Lily Oh, is this Lily? Yeah. Lily, who's your favorite singer? <laughs> oh, she hung up. That was uh, obviously it must be a cheer.
1: Casey and Ross in the morning. You can now order your 231 electric Skoda Enyaq from No DC Cars. Skoda sales dealer of the year. Exclusively Skoda in the city. Corks 96 FM. Join the conversation Email opinion at 96fm.ie
2: This is The Opinion line with PJ Coogan 96FM Yeah, uh, Elaine
5: wants to know how is it that Mike's voice sounds the very same as when he started out in his career? I think that was his big selling point He had a lovely voice, always had a fine voice and when he was young he had a mature voice for his age, and now that he's a slightly older man, he has a very young voice for his age, which is fantastic. It's the gift of any broadcaster that your voice will hold. Thank you, Elaine. Yeah, where are we going? Oh, yes, Don. Was it your family, Don, We're on the micro Morning.
3: Morning, TJ. No, it was, it was my father's brother, my late father's brother, Liam, and his wife, Anne, and their family. Right. Nice. But uh, it was absolutely brilliant. No, the point that Elaine made... Is, is brilliant because his voice has never changed, and you know that's the professionalism in it. But it was the Murphy's Micro and they entered anyway, absolute God be good to him. He was the right note on my father used to say, you know, that shaggy knows everything. So yeah. they got up to Dublin anyway. and They were on it was on the TV, and it was a good quiz at the time, you know. Uh, you know the questions were good and everything else. Strange you yeah. So they, they absolutely cleaned the most, <laughs> clean and the family. Mike was saying there that they only wanted two cars, but, one. but they won. The car was a Ford Escort at the time. Right. But it was like the generation game. The the, the prize were, you know, cuddly tie, wine decanter, you know, all this kind of yes. stuff. But they were living in Talker. Liam and my father were born in Mulgrave Road next to the Bob and Joan Steps. So Liam got a job in the ESP and he was very grand. With himself. And he needed a great job at the time, so they moved out to Talker. So he was sort of the start of the family in this house you know, everything out there, you know. But uh, they came back from Dublin anyway, and the fireworks, there was fireworks. The whole place was out in Torca, <laughs> around I It was brilliant there, uh, TJ. But I'd say at the time, they took about £12,000 at the wow. time, though, which was big money. That was a lot know, of money, yeah. Between all the prizes, but uh, built before my father died, you know, and God, be good to Patrick, he says, oh, yeah, I always call it to a shaggy no, he says, <laughs> you are, he says at the end of this, but for Mike, you know, to be doing with the wind ups and everything else, it, he was priceless. He was really, really good, you know. But I don't always remember us with the family, like, you know, and I think it was recorded on the, uh, video at the time. But uh, they, they absolutely cleaned him out. And Arthur was answering the question even before Mike finished uh, the question, you know. He was so sharp at it, like, but uh, it was great memories, though. And uh, again, for Mike, you know, oh, yeah. for what he was after doing in institution was broadcasting and. That's but no, I was a It was brilliant. It was brilliant. To be honest, Thank and you. it was a good show. A good show. It was story. a very
5: enjoyable show. I remember quizzes on a Sunday night. They're kind of gone. Thanks, Don. They, they were a they were a thing. There was always a quiz of of some kind on, on a Sunday. Where, where, the, where in the world was another one? That's right. Where in the world was another good quiz that was on on, on a Sunday? There was always a, a spot Teresa Lowe with that. Yeah, that's right. There was always a spot on. Sunday night for a, for a good quiz show to get the family around, around the telly. Theresa who is, by the way, the sister of the money doctor. Did you know that? She's um, she's John's sister. 0818 96 96, 96. Me last week about collections and the strange things that people collect and will go to great lengths to collect a piece that they fancy. Joe, you used to work in a shop, a model shop, I think. Did you? Good morning. People used to uh, collect things.
16: So good morning to
5: Oh, yeah. You? You, people would come in looking to add to their collections.
16: And yeah, I mean, uh, collecting is about nostalgia to some degree. Um, yeah. And, you know, you have people who collect all sorts of stuff. I'm a bit of a lunatic myself in that respect. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, the point I was making when I was talking to Focus about it was that I used to get people in with very young kids, and the kids would be obsessed with whatever it was, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it could be the Titanic or it could be aircraft or it could be cars. And I'm talking about small children of, mm. you know, sort of four or five years of age. And I I sort of conducted a, what I would call an a, a unscientific experiment with people, you know, sort of asking them questions about, did this kid have an exposure to it? Did they see the movie, whatever the story was? And I just propagated the theory that is it possible that in some cases these obsessions about stuff come from some sort of latent past life or remembrance from a past life or connection to a past life or something like that? And that was that was more or less what I was saying to Fergus about it, you know?
5: Right, that you'd have so maybe a bit of a, a touch of they were here before kind of thing.
16: Yeah, something like that, you know? I mean, I often wonder about that because, um, as I said, you'd, you'd have... And unfortunately, this is something we can never prove. Um, but the thing is that... Um, you know, you, as I said, you get particularly young kids coming in with an obsessional interest and stuff.
5: Yes, yes.
16: And and you know, what I mean, and would mum or dad
5: have had an interest that maybe they passed on to them?
16: Well, this is the point. I would ask questions about that sort of stuff. You know, were they exposed in some way to this? Yes. Do you know what I mean? But and in some cases, there would be no connection. I, I remember there was one particular kid, and this kid was only about four. Like absolutely obsessed with the Titanic. Absolutely obsessed, like. And I said, had they seen the movie? She said, not at all. Said, They're too smart to have seen that movie. Um, I said, is there a conversation in the family or there are books around the place or whatever? They couldn't find any identifiable connection with why this child was obsessed with the Titanic.
5: Crikey, that's a strange one. That's, no. Did you maybe ask the young... Why did, Why? did? How did you get interested in it? How did you find out about it?
16: Well, I mean, a small, it's very hard to quiz a small child, really. You know yeah, I, mean? I know. Yeah, uh, and, and it is. It is. It is even hard. does it it? It in the sort of a forensic way. It is true. Mean? It is true. I suppose. Um, yeah. silly question, Peter. Come no, what, you what do you collect yourself? If you mentioned you're a bit of a collector? What do you collect yourself? Oh uh, sure, I started with trains? When I was about twelve or thirteen, I've always been obsessed with trains since I was a, since I was a small kid, right. and, uh, and 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 it, it graduated to other. Now, of course, I never drank or smoked, you see, which does help, but um, it graduated to other things like like model cars and trucks and you name it and I've collected it at some point. You know, I kind
5: cool. of and have you the train sets set up or?
16: Oh, chef, look, there's a story there that I could spend in the, a year telling you about. <laughs> I, that's another thing I used to always say about, about guys guys would come in and again, you see, this is there is an, an element of nostalgia attached to that. Do you remember the ad from Bowie's Tea about the train set?
5: Sure, of course I do. The greatest Christmas
16: ad right. ever made. Absolutely. And I can tell you the number of train sets we sold the fathers and grandfathers who were giving them as presents to their kid with something similar in their background story it was extraordinary
5: fantastic there's something that's, about that's christmas that
16: actually hit the nail right on the head and to be honest no it is i think it is sort of dying out to be honest i think my my kids haven't had the same interest they're interested but they've not they haven't had the same interest but but the thing is that um, yeah that that ad was was really on the money. It was it, it was it was almost like something oh. from my own childhood to some degree, you know. Oh, it was, it was, and it was uh, perfect
5: and year in year yeah. out you, you you it's it just all and there's a line in it isn't there about all the bells and whistles and all the fancy toys that ad right. stands yeah. above and beyond all the fancy ads that you see every year. It's just to it capture
2: yeah, it
5: captures a moment and a mood. Joel,
2: thank you very much.
1: Join the conversation. Text WhatsApp 0833- 96 96 96
2: This is the Opinion Live with PJ Cook. 96 FM Right, phone out in front of you
5: Either in your hand or on the table Don't have it in the handbag Don't have it in the drawer Don't have it in the pocket of the jeans or the coat Phone in front of you On the table
2: Now Live free in 23 Oh my god
1: With Cork Credit Unions Here for you always Spending money Money Cork
2: 96FM.
5: 96FM. Okay, we got a phone line. And we got a number. Let's go with this then. Move. Right. Now do not say hello. That's your phone. Come on.
13: I want you to this for free with Clarks ninety six FM. Yay!
9: Bye! <laughs> <Hey>.
13: <laughs> you took your time!
5: Was it in front of you on the table or did you not know who it was?
13: No, I was in my pocket. I was like, I just. Oh my god! Oh my god! And I was like, <laughs> and were you, were you
5: afraid? Like, if you answered the phone that way, that your mother will say, "Why well, you mad? or What?"
13: No fear, no fear whatsoever. I'm mad already, so people wouldn't be thinking otherwise. Where,
5: where, are you, where are you from, Pauline? Gulf. Cove, all right, and, and you're Polly Megan from, from Cove. You are our latest qualifier. What would you do with all that? I mean, there's, there's more money there than you can shake a stick at and oh more prizes my God. there.
13: Imagine the summer. Imagine the summer that you... I'm shaking. Oh, my God. Wow. I just couldn't even think.
5: Right. Where would you go on the holiday if you won that?
13: Um... I think somewhere like with a water park or something. I think the kids would just look like something like that. There you go. Or maybe I'd leave the kids at home and just go off on my own with now the hobby. Talking. I don't know.
5: I yeah, know you're talking. Yeah, that yeah. sounds better. I know all the gigs at the marquee. Every single gigs, one of them. I think.
13: You know what? If I was to win, I think I'd have a list as long as my arm of friends who want to be my friends. There you go. There <laughs> you go.
5: Well, you are our very latest. Qualifier. The draw is next Monday morning the thirtieth with Casey Ross. All right, so you're in Brilliant. the draw for that. All Thank right. you so much. Pauline, well done. Well done.
6: Thanks a million.
5: Cheers, that's Pauline Megan, our latest qualifier with Live Free in 23 on Cork's ninety-six of M. She's back there, lads, if if you need her. Cork Credit Union's looking after her, always. It's it's just here for you, always. It's just brilliant. It's it's the biggest competition. People send me the weekend. This is the biggest competition you guys have ever run. Uh, certainly one of them. Oh eight one eight, ninety-six, ninety-six, ninety-six. Now to dogs and adopting dogs. Taryn, morning.
17: Morning, PJ. How are you?
5: Good. We've had a lot of talk in the last week about, you know, rescue dogs and adopting dogs and adopt, don't shop. What's your own experience?
17: So, um, previously I was in South Africa and all my dogs were adopted. But since living this side, um, because I've got children, I can't adopt. And I would much prefer to adopt. And I mean, my dogs... I think live quite a spoiled life, and um, I think there's many other families like me out there who would qualify, other than the fact that they have small children.
5: What are the rules? Because I've never, I've never tried to adopt. What are the rules?
17: So most of the time, they won't let you have if you have children under sixteen, and then there's some exceptions where if they're um, over ten, they can you can adopt but I've got a four and a five year old so I would be very lucky if I found somewhere that would allow me to adopt a dog
5: and and have you ever queried as to why that is?
17: Um, so from what I can remember it was just in case something happened if a child were to handle a dog and a dog snapped back but the child and the dog should not be left unsupervised.
5: yeah that 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 happens it shouldn't happen but it does.
17: And you should be teaching your child from straight away how to handle the dogs. Yeah, And I know it's difficult because I have children <laughs> and my one child has autism. So I a hundred percent get it's difficult. So I, I know there's a lot of parents on the other side of the radio that'll be shaking their head and saying easier said than done. But uh, I do have a four and a five year old, one of which is on the spectrum and mm. he can get angry at the dogs for nothing. And we always have to go, Mitchell, calm down, Mitchell, calm down, Mitchell, calm down. And um, so I understand from both sides, but you know, other than my children, I, I would genuinely qualify to adopt a dog and, you know, we can't. Yes,
5: yes, yes. What did you say you say to your young fella? Sorry? What What did you say that you say to him?
17: We just calm down, calm down, and he, he normally just calms down, and okay. but it works different with every child, you know? Yes,
5: it does, of course. It does, of course. And, like, buying a puppy and bringing in an eight- or nine-week-old ten well, 10 week old puppy into the house and raising it as your own. It's a different process to adopting, but you'd prefer to do the adopting, would you, Taryn?
17: Yes, I would. I've adopted adult dogs and I've adopted puppy dogs. And I mean, it's different with every dog that you adopt as well. Um, one of the great Danes that my mom brought home once was used as a puppy breeding machine. And yeah. she was quite a bit to work with with other dogs. And eventually she was just such a lovable thing. Yeah. Um, so. You know, it, it, you can make it work. You just got to work at it. And it's just really sad that so many of us just won't qualify to adopt purely because we have children.
5: Yeah. Yeah. It is. It is it, I've, I've never realized it was that strict, though. Yeah. Pardon? I, know, I, I never realized it was that strict. I know that if you live, for example, yes. if you live on the third or fourth floor, they're not going to give you a golden retriever. And you could understand yes. why. Yes. Yes. Um, but I, and but it, to
17: be ruled out completely, basically, because you have small children. I mean, at the moment, we're living on a farm and we've got a little area sectioned off so that the kids and the dogs can't get out. Yes. And um, three of our dogs have come over from South Africa and they were rescues and um, it cost a fortune, but I wouldn't have it any other way.
5: Yes. 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 Yeah. Did, 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 were you on to me before about um having a, you had a, a, a bull terrier in, in, in South Africa. A was football, it? yes, yeah. yes. I've
17: spoken to you a few times. <laughs>
5: That's right. That's right. And yeah. did you manage to get that dog over?
17: No, no. We've just left her with some very good friends of ours and she's being loved and spoiled rotten and I get photos and. Yeah. Um, I, I just say to them, if anything ever happens and you you can't afford to or anything changes, I'll send money. I'll do whatever I have to because she's my heart. And <laughs> but she was also rescued as a puppy. And yeah, I, I've had her, I had her from a puppy as well. And brilliant, brilliant dogs. What
5: what what was your route to Ireland? How come you came to 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 live here?
17: Um. So my dad was born in the UK. Right. And so we inherited the, uh, a British passport off of him. Um, and <laughs> it's been quite a road to get you But we were basically at the point of any way out of South Africa was good. <laughs> really? Yes. It's it's very it's become very dangerous over there.
5: Has it? Yeah. And it's funny. I met an old friend recently, Taryn from college. Um, I hadn't seen him in many many years, but we were catching up, and he said he spent twelve years over there, and he said he loved it and hated it in equal measure.
17: Yes, that's basically it.
5: Do you find um, life is very different here?
17: Very different. It's very safe. Um, I have the opportunity and I would never be able to give my children the life in South Africa that I'm giving them now. The only thing I, I wish I could do is that they could run around in their costumes all year round, which they can't hear. But that's basically it.
5: The wet, You miss the weather.
17: Yes. <laughs> and and the wildlife, and the wildlife. I love the wildlife, but th- that's it really. You know, that's the biggest things that I miss. And are and you from a city
5: or from a, a rural area?
17: I've lived in both. I've lived in both. Um, the one area I lived in, we were near the beach, and every morning I could wake up and I could see the ocean from my window. Mm. It was beautiful, and the ocean was warm. The ocean was actually warm.
5: <laughs> yeah, it's a bit different here now, Taryn. <laughs> You yes might, you might be, There are places, places here where you can wake up And see the ocean as well But you're not about to get into that at 8am
17: No, definitely <laughs> not well, see, what,
5: what do you think of all these Irish people That go swimming in the sea
17: they mad the They are mad <laughs> <laughs> they're absolutely nuts <laughs>
5: <laughs> I, yeah there's a, there's a guy that I know um, George Patterson he's a musician with the Roaring Forties band himself and his wife have, have taken to swimming uh, himself and Orla they've taken to swimming in Fountainstone every morning and one morning he posted a video saying he could feel nothing from the left down for the neck down but he was sure it was great <laughs>
17: <laughs> no, no, I won't be doing that <laughs> The other thing that I love here Is that I've almost always got electricity And if you do, if you don't have electricity It's put on really quickly In South Africa there's a thing called load shedding I don't know if you've heard of it Tell me
5: what it is, I've heard the term but I don't know what it means
17: So the government Puts your electricity off for about two Two to four hours at a time And it's scheduled So depending on the stage, you could have this done Like four times a day Right Oh well. Wow. you've got no electricity.
5: Oh wow. So you, you'd get a you'd get a notice to say well we're turning electricity off between So you
17: won't get a notice, you oh. have to follow it yourself. It's up to you it's it's up to you to check whether it's load shedding or whether there's a power outage that's Great. from another cause.
5: So they just switch it off to shed the load?
17: Yes, because they didn't plan well enough
5: How do you to keep- cover for everyone. How do you keep stuff in a freezer or refrigerator with that going on?
17: You get in the habit where you make sure that you open your fridge and freezer as little as possible during those times. You just have to adjust because all other people start getting generators I see. Right. and things like that.
5: We, we, we kind of don't know how good we have it, do we?
17: we? We don't. We really don't. And I haven't lived in South Africa for five years and I've. Go visit for two weeks and suddenly there's loads. I'm like, I can't deal with this again. <laughs> yes, there's a,
5: there's a lovely warm sea to swim in, but damn it, the power's gone out again.
17: Exactly, exactly. I'd rather have the power.
5: <laughs> and as a place to raise children, no contest, you'd say.
17: Definitely not. Definitely not.
5: Okay. All right. Tar- My
17: children are definitely better off where they are.
5: Okay. Lovely, lovely speaking to you, Taryn. And I'm glad that you've come to Ireland and made a a good life here for yourself, and uh, hopefully, hopefully, the the rules will ease on adopting dogs. Because you sound like a real dog lover. Oh uh, eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Thank you for that, Taron. Just a lot of love in the room for for Mike Murphy, um, remembering his various exploits on television and and radio. He will be an honorary Corkman come lunchtime on Friday, when they will also name the Cork person of the year for 2023, as in the ones who were nominated during 2022, will be an overall winner announced for 2023. The guards, yeah, you see, a lot of people saying that the guards have no interest if a person drives off. Going back to Barry's call earlier this morning, and you might remember from earlier, Barry was rear-ended on the... Road near the tunnel on Friday afternoon at around quarter past three. He was rear-ended. The guy pulled in and got out of the car, came over talking to Barry and then said, I need to move my car. And he went to move it and drove it away. And Barry hasn't been able to track him down since. And he was asking if anybody was in, or on rather, the road towards the tunnel from Man Friday afternoon and saw an incident involving a red Hyundai and a black BMW, would you be able to help Barry in any way? If you had dash cam or anything like that, would like to be able to get him to catch up with a guy who rear-ended him and maybe get him to pay for the damage that he's done to Barry's car. That's it. Programme edited by Emro Hay produced and researched by Fergal Barry. Thank you for joining the conversation in any way that you did. It starts again tomorrow, just after nine.
2: In 23,
1: we'll cut the cost of living for one loyal listener
2: with the ultimate Live Free Grand Prize
1: on Corks 96 FM. Win a holiday. Free
2: fuel. Supermarket shopping. Computers and electrical. Concert tickets. Fashion and beauty.
1: Free food. And a credit union account with cash. Spending money.
2: Money. Listen to Casey and Ross in the morning and all day long
1: for your chance to text or WhatsApp in to win
2: live free in 23
1: with Cork credit unions here for you always
11: I'm
2: <laughs> only on Cork's 96 FM
0: hi this is Craig Robinson from ways to win and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ
5: the official ETF of the NCAA Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.
15: When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers.